listening to the brand new episode in love with the process i am your host mike pecci how are you come on in grab a seat uh our guest is coming in studio today um so uh, i'll make some room on the couch for you um get ready i know why you're tuning in uh today is a cinematography episode today is uh one of those episodes that digs deep into the realities behind what it takes to be a cinematographer in hollywood what it takes to be uh good enough to do a feature film um and uh i'm excited to like dig into it man because think about it think about it i know that there's a lot of you young shooters out there there's a lot of young uh photographers that want to be cinematographers i get people asking me all the time like how do you get into this business how do you make it work and there are a hundred different ways to do that um and we'll talk about at least 50 of them (laughs) on today's show and and we're going to get deep into uh not just the technical aspects i don't even think we talk about technical stuff maybe we talk a little bit about lighting and technical lighting stuff but it really is all the real nitty-gritty stuff that you uh, can't find uh, on a YouTube search for how to be a cinematographer. I'll tell you that. I'm excited, man. And today's episode is sort of a follow-up, sort of a sister episode to uh, the interview that I did with uh, director Edward Drake. If you go back and listen to episode 239 after listening to the show or before listening to the show, it all kind of makes sense because uh, Ed had me get today's guest on his cinematographer brandon cox now brandon has been shooting uh amazing action films he's very much influenced by the same stuff that i am same sort of directors that i am um and he's working with man he's working with some of the coolest action stars from our youth like he shot cosmic sin uh he shot escape plan 2 he's worked with bruce willis he's worked with arnold he's worked with stallone uh he's worked with frank grillo recently um he uh he's just his list of actors that he's had in front of his camera are pretty amazing um and we go deep into how he got into this business talk about his entry how he went to uh, different film schools you'll hear all about that stuff uh and then you'll hear how he got his first job so this is a good episode if you guys want to go deep into how to be a cinematographer it's a great one for that if you're just a fucking movie fan let's say this are you a fan of Raiders of the Lost Ark? Are you a fan of uh, John McTiernan? Are you a fan of Tony Scott? Uh, great episode for all you movie fans out there. You're going to hear some fun facts, man. You're going to hear some cool stuff about Nicolas Cage. Uh, this is a good movie geek episode. Um, and this is actually a great, another episode to listen to. If you're a newcomer to the show, go listen to the Joe Carnahan episode, which you'll find on the homepage at inlovewiththeprocess.com go there there you'll be able to find that it's like two or three down on the home page i spent a lot of time making that website look good for you are you going there are you hanging out there are you checking it out it's a great place to go for supplemental material on the show i'll post trailers i'll post some of the trailers uh for uh brandon's work up there um but it's also where you'll find all the curated episodes that are cinematography episodes i'll sometimes curate episodes on food people on chefs on musicians it's all there lovewiththeprocess.com place to go um so let's see what's going on with me so we've been I, I i've been deep in uh prep and i've been deep in concepting right now and sort of designing some new ideas 
Um, we are waiting for uh, acceptance letters for some of the festivals that we sent the new film out to come home. I have been uh, sending out 12KM to a bunch of new folks. I still get DMs every day. We just had it translated. Oh my goodness. Jesus Christ, Gina. That went right to that, huh? Okay. <laughs> and uh, and we uh, just had 12KM translated into Italian. Um, so for any of our fans in Italy that want to watch the film, I do have it subtitled in Italian right now, which is super cool. Um, so just reach out to me on Instagram, DM me at Mike Pesci on Instagram, send me your three favorite horror movies, and I will get your DMs and I will send you a link uh, to 12KM. Okay. All right. So without further ado, let's get into today's show, man. Uh, so grab a seat. Uh, we're not doing beers this morning, but uh, throwing a throwing a throwing a pair of headphones. Is it tuned in well for you? How do I sound? Do I sound good? Yeah, got those levels sounded right. I'm using that cloud lifter audio piece that gives my voice that little rustic feel. There it is. All right, feeling it? You feel me inside of your brain? <laughs> like you're in a voice deep deep in you. <laughs> Why am I creepy about this? <laughs> anyway, let's get into it with Brandon on the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. obnoxious i love how everybody calls it this it's always the pinwheel of death yeah it's this colorful and it's on an older mac so it's this colorful fucking hate thing that shows up and it's you're like, like fuck you we're not working today yeah exactly and you're like why are you so fucking colorful <laughs> you fucking bastard just put a big this on there or something <laughs> yeah, exactly right like, hey you spent a lot of money on me and i'm not going to do what you asked me to do exactly do you have ferrets 
Uh, no, we have rats. Oh, rat! Rats are great too. Yeah, we just got them. My so I'm allergic to uh, dogs and cats. So I'm definitely allergic to cats. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, and so my girlfriend was like, <laughs> so she had to make a choice when we got together. Rat? Yeah. You're like sure, sure. Yeah, we figured it out. I'm not allergic to them, and they're cute. You can see they them are later. Cute. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see them. Um, all right, Brandon. So what uh, I do is I record an intro separately. Got it. Okay, so we'll just jump right in. All right, perfect. You ready? Let's do it. Brandon, how are you? Thanks for being here. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's a treat to have you in the studio today. I'm in the flesh. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, why not? You know, I'm in town. I'm, uh, you know, I, we don't live that far from each other. I'm in, you know, closer to Burbank, whatever, yeah. Studio City, and you're in Glendale. So screw it. Let's do it. Yeah, dude. These are like the best. So, I've talked about it a lot on the show, but we moved out here right before the pandemic. So right. me and my girlfriend moved out here and we were like hunting for places to live. And I stumbled on Glendale. Love it. But this whole East, this whole East LA area is the shit. No, I, I, I love it over here. I, I like to go to the mall over here. I have a few friends over here. And so, you know, and Pasadena is nice. And Glendale's got some great restaurants. So I agree. I, yeah. I think it's a great area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the way up through Burbank and even into like the Studio City area. I love everything but... Hollywood, <laughs> I'm, West Hollywood. I'm I'm right there with you. I uh, I I you know look when I first came out here, I think it was like 2002. I lived near the uh, Grove. Oh, um, and then I ventured a little bit into West Hollywood, and then it was like, okay, that's enough. We're going to the Valley. So that, that was it. <laughs> yeah, there's only and so, haven't left. There's so. only so much cool kid stuff that I can put up. Yeah, with. you know, there's only so much cool hollywood stuff you can deal with and that that it just at that point you're just like okay i get it all right this is just for you know the people that first get here and then they want to you realize okay where's my place and then you go to your place yeah 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 and you go through because anybody that's from home goes how's hollywood and you go it's terrible (laughs) (laughs) so true so true i mean it's it's a place where i just never I never venture to. So I, even though, yes, we work in Hollywood, I, I don't frequent Hollywood. So <laughs> I keep it that way. So how did you, what's the origin story here? How did you get it? Why cinematography? Why shooting? How'd you get into Why it? cinematography? I mean, you know, it's, I guess it's, it, you probably heard this from a lot of DPs, but, uh, or cinematographers or filmmakers. Uh, let's see at a very young age um you know i was fascinated with uh, movies and uh-huh. uh the first film i can remember this is a funny story so the first movie i can remember seeing as a child but don't really remember much of it was my dad was off of work and my older brother wanted to see raging bull oh, okay. believe it or not okay so my dad was babysitting me and all that so they took me the only parts i remember are uh i remember the boxing of course you know and i remember a little bit of the color which was the home film footage that they had but i remember the boxing scenes you know vividly and then i just fell asleep in the rest of it but the first movie i remember seeing and visually like connecting with and had a huge effect on me was raiders of the lost ark um like so many with star wars and whatnot but i remember seeing that film and looking at my father after it was over and seeing how they do that. Mm. And he's like, I don't know. So we went and saw it again the next day. And then we saw it again the next day. So we saw it three days in a row. And, you know, back then there weren't a lot of BTS. Yeah, none of that stuff. None of that stuff. But CBS had this whole thing, the making of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I watched how they, you know, he did the whole sequence where he chases after the Ark on the horse and the whole thing. They had that whole 
bit on how they did that. And it just fascinated me. Mm. So as I got older, you know, I still watch movies, still watch movies. I was also an illustrator because at one point in my life, I wanted to draw comic books. Me too. And when I got to art school, I realized, yeah, that's not going to happen. I didn't even get into art school. I mean, I got into art school for illustration, but I, yeah. I, once I sat in a class and watched guys draw comics, I was like, I'm way out of my league here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, that's, a, that's a harsh realization when you're just like, I thought I was so good, but then you're just like, I suck. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, watch movies all throughout my life. And my dad, who, you know, he passed away last year, but my dad is was a huge person in my life on watching movies because mm-hmm. he got me to watch, you know, Cool Hand Luke and Bridge Over the River Kwai and mm-hmm. Yo Jimbo and um, Once Upon a Time in the West and a few, for a few dollars more and just these films I would never watch but he's like ah, you want to see a western watch this you know you want to see a good movie watch this so my dad had this like it was really weird you know my dad was a blue collar guy grew up in Washington D.C. Um, was a Marine, went to Vietnam and, mm-hmm. uh, he just loved movies. That's and, cra- That's awesome, dude. You know, he just loved movies. And so his influence was huge. And then when I, uh, got into art school, I went into art school, I got on a, on an illustration scholarship at uh, Savannah college of art and design SCAD, as they call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the acronym, but, um, there I quickly learned that, you know, I, t- I was doing okay with drawing and, and illustration and all that, but it just was not happy. And, and on a whim, I just took a video production class mm-hmm. and actually doing it and, and, and all that, I, it, it, it just hooked me. Yeah. And then meanwhile, when I was in junior high and high school, I had a friend, I'd back up a little bit. I had a friend that had a super eight camera. So we would make stop motion movies and just fun stuff, but never really. Yeah. yeah. Never it, really know? make that connection that that's what this thing's for. No. And then, and so from there, I, um, I went to art school for two years. I, I met, I met my girlfriend, um, from there, we moved out. We moved to Florida because there was a school called Full Sail that mm-hmm. just had started. But I realized quickly that uh, it wasn't really a film school. It was a audio recording school, mm-hmm. kind of masking itself as a film school. At that point now, obviously, it's different. But um, So then I worked odd jobs, and then I figured, okay, let's move to California. Maybe I'll transfer into USC or whatever. But while I was in Florida, I saw the AFI ceremony for steven spielberg and i didn't know what the afi was and so i did some research and found out that like oh wow all these filmmakers went there and most of them cinematographers and at the time um it was like 1995 Mm -hmm. um seven had come out and uh and at this time i'm I'm, i have a laser disc player i'm watching laser discs i can see movies letterbox the whole thing right Mm -hmm. which was a big deal for those of you for those of you listening that was a big because most stuff was pan scan most stuff was like four by three uh no one really gave a shit about like protecting the integrity (laughs) of of stuff on nobody did And, did. and and you know to see a movie that you admired to see it in the proper aspect ratio. Obviously, that was a big deal. Yeah. You know, so anyway, I'm sorry. This story's no, it's going so going. long. It's so, a fucking podcast. That's what yeah, we that was pretty good. So, all right. So, <laughs> exactly. So, I've been watching movies, letterbox, laser disc collecting, da-da-da-da-da. I was reviewing the AFI thing. I was seeing that. I see seven. Completely fucking blown away. My, dude, you and I are very similar on this. Yes. Completely blown away. Blew my fucking face blew off. My, blew my face off. Blew my mind. I'm like, the balls of that ending, the balls of that visuals, the balls of that story. Yeah, the darkness the of everything. The darkness of everything. And the only thing I'd seen 
prior to that that was anything close just on a different genre was Blade Runner. Yes. Yes. So that kind of photography really spoke to me. This contrast, very much in my illustration was always contrast dark to light. I always love the you know, the difference between dark dark and light. That just that just you know, that hit me. So that then sent me on a path of okay, who is this person that shot this movie? Then I like Darius Kanji, and then, then, then yeah. you find out, oh, he shot Delicatessen, though he shot this, he's worked with the, you know, City of Lost Children. It's, yeah. So just, you know, and then you start seeing, you know, I, Spielberg, who's another great DP or a great cinematographer, his, oh my God, another great director, <laughs> director. Yeah, and his you. cinematographer, Janusz Kaminski, who was another person that was a huge influence in my career. Um, you he's know, after, he's incredible. And after seeing Schindler's List, which is this, you know, visual, just like incredible film. He's also the main reason why, like, I load every one of my sets with haze and smoke and volumetric. Exactly. Because, and you can just scream, more fucking smoke <laughs> in, in your Polish accent. Um, but yes, that, yeah. that, that is, that is true. So, you know, you have Janusz, you have Darius, and then, you know, you, you, you start looking at more films and you start finding out who Conrad Hall is and, mm -hmm. and then who, uh, you know, Robert Ellswood is. And then all these filmmakers are starting to come at you. And, and then so cinematography was just it, just, it just seemed like the right thing to me because it's like, yeah, directing would be fun, but I really like the camera. Mm -hmm. So, and telling visuals, you know, telling a story with visuals is, I think, pretty amazing. So... We moved out of California. I worked and I, I found that like, I, I, because I went to art school, I had a lot of art credits and I thought I was going to transfer to USC. But then on a whim, I, I went by AFI and I thought, let me just look at this school. And I looked at it and felt like that was the right place. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I just wasn't ready to go. So I went and I went to Orange Coast Community College because I moved down to Irvine mm -hmm. and I was working and I made a short film and I got enough liberal arts credits. And then I, for some reason, I checked on SCAD. Now, this is around, it's like 2000, almost 2000, 2000, And I looked at SCAD and their department, department just completely had changed. It's like fully film and they had the lighting, they had all the cameras, the editing, everything. So I said, well, shit, okay, mm -hmm. I can go back there. I've got two years left. I could try to get a scholarship be a you know big fish in a little pond rather than a little fish in a big pond big at somewhere pond, yeah. yeah exactly so I, and that's what i did so we moved back to we moved back to savannah i got a scholarship again for i just drew some stuff they gave me <laughs> they gave me a scholarship which helped yeah yeah um you know still fucking loans and crap and all that stuff course, but you know you know that's that's the life of a gen x or i guess is just pay, you know you're automatically stuck with loans when you <laughs> and you're not getting any respect you get zero zero <laughs> respect so yeah yeah um so we go back there i shoot every fucking thing i can i just feed my brain images i go to the library i'm reading every uh, American cinematographer. I'm watching movies crazy. And then from there, I decided, okay, this is it. All right. I made a student film, you know, did the thesis film, all that stuff. And I said, okay, I'll take all this stuff. I put together this package. Mm -hmm. It was like, I mean, it was like getting into the CIA or some shit, you know, it's, you have to, you have to write a letter of intent and put your reel together and all, why you want to go to AFI. And I did all this stuff and, you know, they only take like 200 people. Yeah. And um, I got in. That was great. So then again, finished SCAD, moved out here in 2002. And then from 2002, 2004, 
I went to AFI and uh, got the shit kicked out of me. And yeah, well, learned- well, okay, so why why did you get shit? Like, how they kick the shit out of you? It's you. It's it's just like you know. You always think you're special because you're you know you're doing what yeah. you're doing, and then you realize there's a lot of other people that want to do what you do, and they're just as talented, maybe even more talented, and and just are brilliant. And so, I've some of those relationships that I've made at that school, I am still friends with all those people. I mean, you know, most of the DPs that, that are in my class are all working. Mm-hmm. A few of them, a few of them are in the ASC. They made the ASC. Um, and they're doing great work. And I think the, one of the biggest directors to come out of there was, um, Oh God, it was Sam Ishmael. He created, uh, Mr. Robot. Okay. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was like, the, I think he was like the biggest director. And Jonathan Levine, who's done a mm-hmm. couple of movies with Seth Rogen and whatnot. But that's all that came out of director wise. But cinematographers, I mean, we just got tons of guys that come out of that class. So, and, and females as well. So from there, graduated. Um, there was a cinematographer in my class from Norway. His name was uh, Shettle Dietrichson. Hmm. And uh, he had gone there because he he had really concentrated more on music videos and uh, he had already had an experience level had already worked in the industry a little bit in Europe and he wanted to come to America and he wanted to learn narrative filmmaking and uh, he went one year and then he went back to Europe and he just started shooting a lot of music videos and he told me hey look I'm going to come back I probably need a place to stay for a little bit um, but when I come back I'd love for you to come camera operate for me when I yeah sure you can stay with me mm-hmm. so he did he came back he stayed with me and he got an agent and uh I was I think two weeks at AFI and he got a call and and he said listen um I got a music video do you want to operate for me yeah sure mm-hmm. and then it happened again hey do you want to come operate on this do you want to come shoot second unit on this and he would just fly me around for a couple hundred bucks Mm-hmm. And I didn't care because, you you're know, getting you're getting that experience, right? Yeah. And then from that experience of working on music videos, I had garnered enough footage and he would take me to company three and I'd meet Stefan Sonnefeld and Dave mm-hmm. Hussey and all these great colors who are like rock stars right now. Mm-hmm. But I would sit in the process, understand how it works and all that. And meanwhile, while I was at AFI, you know, DI was just coming out. So that technology was fresh and I was learning that as well. And so... um I had garnered enough footage and Shettle said, you know, here, keep your footage here. I'll give you tapes or whatever and put together a reel. And one, one producer, music video producer saw it. And she said, listen, Brandon, you need to get an agent. And I said, well, I haven't really just get you. If you're doing it, you're going off and shooting all this stuff. And they're using every single thing you're shooting. So got an agent, mm-hmm. put all that together and then started shooting music videos. And then from music videos, the goal was always to get to film. Mm-hmm. So from that, I'm, I had a friend from SCAD that had, from India, he'd uh, found this movie and uh, this project, and he said, "Hey, do you want to do it?" And so we did it. Went to Kenya and then here, and it never really came out, but it just it popped the cherry. That was my first feature, and then boom, I was on my way. That's really great, too. So yeah, so that's how I got to where I am now. That's great, man. That's really great. I, like you and I have a lot of parallels in there. Oh, cool. Yeah, when I started, um, I always wanted to be a director, so I went to film school in New York. I went to like New York Film Academy's yeah. program there. I did yeah. that for a while. Really, all they taught me was how to produce in a city that I didn't live in, which was great. Uh, but then uh, when I decided after I finished it, I had done, they put you in a program with a bunch of other, st- so it's like four students and you guys are all rotating and okay. no one wanted to shoot. And so oh, wow. I was like, all right, I'll do it. And we were shooting on like 16 millimeter black and white reversal, sure. that whole ordeal. 
And so, like, I'll figure out the camera, I'll go through it. So, I ended up shooting, I mean, like, at least eight projects, you know. And so, um, when I finished school, my buddies uh, were like, hey, let's get an apartment here in New York. And I went, it was such a bitch to fucking produce stuff here in New York. If I could do the same level of stuff that I did here, but back at home where I have all the access to shit, I'll go back home and do that. So, I did. Um, I started a company, and I haven't worked since i've been basically been doing that since i was a kid and um i started out of necessity because this was like 1999 so most cinematographers were still in 35 they heard about video and they're like fuck video that's what you shoot fucking sports program exactly um and so i just decided like well those old school guys really aren't getting into this maybe i should learn how to do this stuff and and it's cheap i have access to it and i beat the fuck out of it for years and became uh, cinematographer for music videos and so i was doing that for so long we were shooting um for stuff for like he- like heavy metal stuff on like headbangers ball right. and like our stuff that i was shooting with mini dv cameras and love like, the mini dv the xl1 and ps technic fucking like <laughs> yeah. uh, lens adapters and spinning glass and shit <laughs> and we were just throwing our stuff up in the lineup with 35 millimeter and 16 millimeter and yeah. no one gave a fuck no and i was like oh, all right and then um i ended up meeting my old business partner who was in a band and and he was like you're actually doing a lot of directing do you want to start co-directing these things and so then i started co-directing and got back into directing and then i was a shooter director for a while and then um there hit this point in the commercial world where the agents were like you gotta pick a lane right and they were like and now it's shifted back again but they at the time they were like pick a lane where do you want to be and i'm like i want to direct so i'm gonna pick that lane right but uh, my brain comes from a cinematographer. So, like, if you work with me, it's it, – I'm not tooting my own horn, but it's a pleasure because I think the way that no, you guys do. That's always good when a when director – for me, at least, when a director's uh, visual because then you're thinking in the same terms. Exactly. And it's, this is a shorthand in a language where you're like, hey, if, so if I hit the 50 here and then we go with 100 over there, and you're like, yeah, yep. that's yep. right. That's yep. what I would do. That's exactly it. Or, like, the prep, <sighs> like uh, – you watched 12 cam we were talking about this yeah. before we got on yeah and so uh that was the first time crude and i had worked together and i just sent him like loads of prep and we spent months just sort of courting each other um and uh you know i think the reason why our relationship works so well is that i do understand the language of cinematography but i also like to work with people who know how to do things better than i do and so like at that level i'll present you with like all this research sure. all this stuff and then go make it your thing. Yeah. And then that's how the relationship has really flourished since then. So yeah. there's a big joke that like you could see all my storyboards because I, being a guy that wanted to be a comic book artist. Yeah. So I would hand the storyboards to, to Cruda. And if you look at them, you'll go, all right, it looks like 12 cam, but then each shot has been crudified. <laughs> crudified. I love it. <laughs> that's great. So yeah, 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 man. I, 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 I love it. I love the craft of cinematography. And I, yeah. I think that, uh, it's an un well, I mean, it's getting a lot of credit now because it seems like the industry, a lot of producers in the industry are like, just make it look good. It's yeah, like, this is yeah, I heard that quite a few times. Yeah, so they yeah. hire in a bunch of really hot f- fucking cinematographers yeah. that come in with the hottest new lenses. And, yeah, um, but uh, you know, I still think that the task that a cinematographer does on set. Uh, I think a lot of folks are like, wow, it's great. I get to get that in my hands on the camera and I get to shoot stuff. It's like, no, 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 no. It's all that other shit. 
that makes cinematographers it's, great to me. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. I mean, you know, you have to have the political side of like balancing production to your crew. Yep. You have to be able to manage the crew. Yep. And then there's the creativity part, you know. So there's like you got to wear those different hats. But when you do find that team, and when you do find that collaborator, like yourself, mm-hmm. that you can just you know bang with, just fucking get out there and do it, and and really push your vision and push your your language of what you're trying to do it's magical man mm-hmm. it, you know and i love that and you have collaborators that you work with right now that you love yeah i mean i've uh it's it's i've just started working with you know a director named john swab mm-hmm. do you know him he's done a few few movies with uh, frank grillo there's he did this movie um called ida red Okay. It was like uh, Frank Grillo, Josh Hartnett, and Melissa Leo. I saw the uh, saw the promotion. Yeah, that. there's that, and then he did this uh, other film called Candyland. Yes, which was interesting. Um, and then we just I just wrapped uh, principal production on um, our principal photography on this film we did in Colombia, South America, called Land of Grace. Oh, wow. And. Um, yeah, that was that was blast. And then also, I've worked with uh, Stephen Miller, who I've collaborated with seven times. Um, I've worked with a, a director. I think that you interviewed Edward Drake. That's how we know. Yeah, yeah that's how we Ed, know. And Ed, Ed's great. And um, uh, who else have I worked with? Ariza. Yeah. Um, who what did you do for Riza? I did. Well, I did that film, Cutthroat City. Oh, okay. Uh, which, and funny enough, I'm not trying to plug. He. Literally, he woke me up this morning. He called me this morning just to talk about future projects. So I was like, "Yeah, let's go." Um, but that was that's always a good phone call. Yeah, of um, course. And then I'm trying to think in my future world. Uh, yeah, just a few other guys here and there, but um, mainly, you know, I I think uh, it's Riza, Stephen, and John. I think going to be for a while. And Ed, mm-hmm. you know, um, I couldn't shoot Ed's last movie because I previously and i had a commitment to do land yeah, of grace it becomes like so, a yeah. schedule conflict yeah but i was you know i was happy he got a another movie going so well, that was good but um no man i mean yeah those have been the collaborators you know like and it just uh you try to build on each each one and each one's different but you still try to you know bring what you bring to this to right, the table. right right what's your what's your process because um i feel like uh, we don't talk about it often enough yeah. the sort of courtship that has to happen between a cinematographer yeah. and a director so like um how was it when you first started and then let's get into how it is now but when you first started how were you finding directors like how did you go out and look for folks it was god it was hard i mean i was i would always just try to like look at short film directors i mean i wasn't going after like big time guys because i didn't have the work i mean even though i had all i had was music videos at that point um it was funny i i'd done that one feature film uh with my friend from scad and i used the footage you know put it on my reel and i don't know how my reel got to marcus dunstan but somehow it did Hmm. and uh he just immediately responded to the visuals from my music videos and that, and that's how you know he hired me for the collector. Mm. And at the time, I ju- you know we, he was very um, adamant about watching a lot of the, uh, uh, the Italian horror films and um, very much like the uh, oh gosh, what's the Suspiria? I forget the directors. Oh, uh, Dario Argento. Dario Argento. Yeah, yeah like the, Argento. the yellow films from that time. Period. Exactly, yeah, the yeah. yellow films. It was all yeah. about that, and I just was unaware of these films. I mean, I knew of who Argento was. I only know Suspiria, but I didn't know that 
sort of that whole genre of the you know the guy with the black gloves and the mask and but it's you know it works it works and and it it has a thing and all that so that was heavily influenced with the collector and what i tried to bring was just you know horror wasn't a genre i really dabbled in a lot and Mm -hmm. and it's it's funny because it's not like i don't like horror it's just not one of my favorite genres but yet you know, I was getting asked to make this movie. So I mm-hmm. just tried to bring something different to it, like just to try to add, you know, let me just take a basic cinematography approach of the things I like, but then try to add more to it. So so the genre that really appealed to you was what, like adventure action kind of stuff? Yeah, adventure action, thriller, you know, psychological thriller, that type of thing, drama. Mm-hmm. Just, it just, and it's not that I don't like horror. I, li- mm-hmm. I mean, there's some fucking great horror movies out mm-hmm. there, man. I, I, you know, I'm just a fan as the, the next guy, but it wasn't one I was like fully pursuing, you know. But hey, this one came on, and I was like, okay, we can make something of this. And, uh, you know, the experience was great with Marcus. But what I did, yeah, I, I, at then, at that time it was like 2007. So I got that job, and it was funny because, the then writer strike was going on <laughs> much parallel to what the hell's going on today. So, uh, yeah, the writer strike was going on and Hollywood pretty much, you know, shut down, but we had a pass to, we, I think we got some sort of agreement with SAG and WGA that we could go and, uh, shoot this movie in Shreveport, Louisiana. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so yeah, there was that, but I think what I, you know, what I was doing, I was pulling images from DVDs, kind of like what shot deck does, but I would sort of screen grab them and sure. say, Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. And I put a whole bunch of them together and then we just talk in references of other movies. And that's, that's how that's, uh, you know, evolved. And then that whole process has evolved. Now, now I use, now I've been using, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, uh bid journey. Yep a lot and then i use uh shot deck which is you know which every cinematographer or filmmaker for that example should should be using because you know larry shear who's a mentor and a friend he basically turned me on to that when he first was in beta testing for it and he said you got to use this yeah and i've been using it ever since and so i just build a lookbook from that and that's what i use now and then we just talk in terms of you know if they're hey there's some photography or paintings or whatever we go from there but i try to build the look with those tools now so mid journey is pretty crazy man i've been using it quite a lot right me too and putting together these uh big the I'm, I'm doing um what essentially are lookbooks but for my screenwriter so like gotcha. as he before he gets into it we started to talk about these ideas man, and that's I'm like, great think about these as set pieces and then i start building the set pieces for stuff and it's it's really cool man and it, it, it just keeps the vision in line yeah and and, and you it, go through it and it also you know keeps the vision in line it also just puts you know your writer for for example or even your dp it puts them in a place mm-hmm. where like this is what this world wants to feel like this is what this world could feel like and that's you know and look anything that you can see and grasp off of obviously yes that's what you especially want especially for a visual media. 100% yeah especially for a visual we media to talk about it but it's like well it's kind of like you know you're looking at it it's right there you yeah, know? yeah yeah that's why i love it uh, me too man and, and i saw the effects and i've said it a couple times on the show but i saw the effects of it when i was talking to my writer and i'm like i think it'd be rad if this sequence happened in a barn and I saw a barn a very specific way in my head, and I know that he saw like Charlotte's Web in his head, and he was like, <laughs> "No, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> so then I, on Mid Journey, went through the process of designing it, designed the look, designed all that shit, and I sent it to him, and he went, "Oh fuck!" And I go, "Yep, okay, so this works now." 
And the thing that I like about it more than just doing still pulls, and uh, I think the danger of still pulls is that when someone's looking at an image, I may have pulled that image because I'm like, I like the volumetrics and the background lighting right. here. And then that other person looks at it and goes, oh, that outfit's awesome. And I'm like, oh, no, I know ha- I hate that fucking outfit. And the only reason why that's there is because I wanted, this was the only reference image. Ah, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, yeah. I, I think being able to, and a lot of folks are nervous about AI. And I think if you're using it as a tool like this, it could be I agree. a complete mind opener. And, that's, and it's, I completely agree. I mean, I was, I'm a screenwriter friend of mine. Um, you know, I turned I turned him on to it, and he's like taking it and just run with it because he loves it. And yeah. he he puts together pitch decks for scripts he's written, and he he loves to use it. Yeah. And what's better than to almost give whoever you're pitching to something that's close and look and feel and tone that you could just hand to him rather than well, we kind of want it to be, you know, pictures of these movies and sure. y- y- people will take that. A, I, I don't know. I think if they see original artwork, it's something more tangible than rather than 100%. seeing a series of movies that you're like, oh, so you want to make this, 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 and this, right. which is like, well, no, I don't, but this is, this is what's influencing me or this, you know, cause it may, like you said for that still, you're looking at it because, oh, I like the volumetrics of this. That guy was like, well, I like the costume. Well, I could like it because I like the composition, you know, yeah. or the lighting. So it's yeah. like you could take so many things away from a already average still of a, from a movie, but rather when you're making it and you're putting it on there and you're like, yeah, no, this is what it's going to look like. Yeah, yeah. You're like, well, that's fucking cool. Well, the other thing that comes with a still is like not only the, the story of that movie, yeah. but also what that person went through when they saw that movie for the first time. Correct. And then whatever marketing campaign and whatever else is attached to that movie. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, if it's a business person, they're like, okay, what are the fucking, uh, what are the numbers for that movie? And how did that movie do? And there have been multiple times that I put together pitch decks for scripts and I've sent them through my management team and they're like, take out this still, take out that still. Yeah. I'm like, why? That's a perfect representation of it. Like, that movie fucking failed and this movie didn't do well. And I'm like, I'm not putting it in there for the box office. And they're like, yeah, but they're going to read it. And see and it's, the fucking it's box the, if their brain thinks, oh, that was that shitty fucking movie exactly. that didn't make any money. And that's so weird, right? It sucks. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, for me, Mid Journey has been like a month ago is when I started. And it's fucking revolutionary for me because now I'm designing things and sending things to people that there is no context to. And they watch it. They look at it and go, fuck. You know, exactly. Yeah, man, that's the purpose of this. And, and that and and like you said, I think if you're using it as a tool like that to help everybody on the team get on the same page visually, aesthetically, whatnot, that's just that's just it's gonna make the process so much better. I mean it's gonna make yeah. it so much easier. Like when I was just working in South America, the production designer had done a bunch of renderings in mid journey. And you know, you you sort of like sometimes I've worked with not so good production designers and they do a drawing. You're like, that's great. And then you get to set and you're like, that doesn't look fucking anything, anything like, like what that. you did at all. And it's not good. Yes. But this guy, man, um, Nico, I forget his last name, Duran, I think it was, but he, he, he made all these things. I'd show up on set. It was like, it was better than what he did. So on the, and cool. I was just like, wow. But we both had that back and forth with mid journey. And again, it's it's using it as a tool. And it wasn't like, oh look, this is what we're gonna do. But it was amazing. Like I, I did I did a I did a couple of visuals of Frank Grillo uh-huh. and I'll show them to you. Um yeah, yeah. and just like I said on the streets of Caracas, because it's supposed to take place in Venezuela, with uh, you know, mood lighting and yeah, mixed yeah. color temperature, all this stuff. 
And then unbeknownst to me, subconsciously, I forgot I did it. And then we were walking around the street with Frank moving around filming. And then I was like, I've seen this before. And then I pulled up. I was like, son of a bitch. Here it is. And I looked and I was like, holy cow, we did that. You know, so it's subconscious. It's subconscious it was pretty awesome. So yeah. I, I I think I look, I'm, I'm a proponent of it. I, I'm a huge fan. I'm glad you are, too. So I, I like using it as a tool is a really cool dude, thing. Dude, just yesterday, because. Crude is big into it too, yeah. and so I was talking. Yeah, he to is. I've been. I, we text about it a lot. Yeah. Like, hey, what do you use here? What's your What's your thing? What's your thing? Yeah. yeah. And so I said to him yesterday because I'll have to show you some of the stuff I'm working on. So I, I was deep in this new piece, and I'm just sending him screenshots. I'm going, right. check this out. Look, I fucking read. You know, <laughs> yeah, you have yeah, this yeah. moment, and I go, man, it'd be awesome if you can. It's too bad you can't be in the room with me while I'm doing it. He goes, oh, we could totally do that. And so then we're now in the same chat group while I'm creating the images. On mid-journey. On mid-journey. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. I have to get into that stuff. And so he's going through, and I'm doing stuff. He goes, oh, what do we do this? And so then you're seeing the images change between the both of us wow in mid-journey and i'm like that's one that's one that's one but how much fun is that right like you it's it's again it's another like bonding tool with the filmmakers because then you're creating instead of you know doing it on set and talking about it for the photographs what you're doing it together yeah with this text artwork and that's i don't know man i find that exciting it's really fucking cool and then then you start to see this stuff, and then the guesswork is gone. Yeah. And so then while I'm looking at this stuff and I'm designing it, because the other thing is I'm coming at it from a low-budget director standpoint. Right. I know that whatever this first feature is that we're going to do after this, it's going to be under $2 million. Right. Maybe if we get there, we're lucky. Right. And so with MidJourney, I think you can start to do whatever the fuck you want. Correct. Suddenly you've got a guy on the moon and you've got this thing happening. And I'm always trying to curve it back down and go, right. all right, here's here's an abandoned warehouse, because I know we're going to get one of those fucking things. Right. How do I make this cool, and how are we hanging, and what are the properties that we're hanging that I can get from fucking Home Depot right. that'll blow your face off if we get enough of them? Right. And so that's always been my my thing with MidJourney, is I'm trying to like build myself this little fence around what I know the reality of the world's going right. to be. And it's been pretty successful with that too, man. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I was I was using it last night because I have a project that's going to take place in Nepal. That and rad. Yeah, and uh, f- I mean, funny story. I met this director through the pandemic on the pandemic on social media. He's from Tibet. Director, I think I'm sure there's many directors from Tibet. But he's the one that's been you know most prominent right now, and. Um, mm-hmm. He found this story about uh, the uh, Four Rivers Six Rangers, which is basically the guys who were trained by the CIA in the 50s in Colorado, then sent back to Tibet to basically exile and get the Dalai Lama from out of Tibet and into India. Oh, wow. And while they were on the way um, there, they encountered the Chinese army and you know, they had to fight. These guys are known as like, they're like heroes, like in the folklore of Tibetan history. And they're like the 300 Spartans. Oh, cool. So these guys are badass. And so he's got this film that he wants me to work on. And I was sending him some mid journey stuff last night. And he was, Oh my God, Oh, this is great. Oh, you know, so we've been going back and forth with that, but the, you know, again, like right there, like immediately, you know, on, on the same page, same page. just from that. And there's, there's, and I'm going to continue to say this because I support, I support humans using tools. Sure, 100%. And I know the big argument is like, you know, AI is going to take over a lot of stuff. A lot of jobs are going to go away. There will be some jobs that are suffered from it. But I still will use concept artists. 100%. Because AI 
still can't do what I see in my head. Correct. And the the other thing that's really important, and what Crude and I have been doing together briefly, is the reason why films are great. I heard a fucking I heard a guy talk to me recently. I'm not going to out who it was, but he was kind of stupid. He said this thing recently where he goes, uh, you know, it's going to hit a point. We could do an entire movie by yourself in AI, and you're not even going to need actors. And I go, you've obviously never directed the movie before. Yeah. Because, uh, sure, I could do that right now with some fucking clay or flashlight and make a whole movie. And some it's going to be. Joe's. It's <laughs> still going to be this piece of shit that I thought up at, at as a fucking white dude sitting at my desk trying to come up with some bullshit idea. I need to have you. I need to have collaborators that walk in and go, Mike, that's dumb. This is cool. And you yeah. Go, oh, fuck yeah. Or they walk in with two trays and you go, what are those things? They go, oh, give me some of that and give me a little bit of that and give me some of this. Correct. Now we've made something that transcends whatever dumb idea I sketched out on a notepad at one point. <laughs> but it, and I agree, I agree with you because I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's going to take over. Oh, it's good. But it's just you have to have human touch on these things. You do. You have to have that presence. You have to have that that thought that you know just that it's just got to have that touch to it. It's got to have that feeling and, and and life experiences, man. And the fact that you, I assume. Uh, that when you uh, sit down to come up with a like uh, coverage or whatever for an action sequence, yeah. you're going back and watching a movie with your dad again in your head, right? Yeah, of you're going course. Back and watching Indiana Jones, and you mentioned when we were talking offline, you were uh, saying uh, that you were thinking when you watched Twelve Cam, John McTiernan. Yeah, hundred yes. percent. Right, yes. right off the beginning. Um, there's a, there's a. You had that parallel um dolly move right yeah and then it turned into the steady cam move and there's the steady cam move in um hunt for october yes. where they're going in to see the russian guy and it's almost a pov that turns into an over it, it like mctiernan is a fucking genius I when it comes loved to his shit. his shit is so i mean he had a fucking run man die hard predator hunt for red october I mean, you even know, last dude, action hero. I fucking love that. Dude, movie. I even I even went back and watched Basic again recently. Oh, ba- Basic is it's a fucking, fucking good movie, movie, man. It's yeah. just, he he just got a bad rap on a lot of shit. But anyway, it like he's a crazy man in real life. He's, and he's crazy, but, <laughs> yeah. but whatever. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. that's whatever. I, I've never met him, but I'm a huge fan. But me um, too. Me too. Um, but yeah, it just had that feeling to me. It just felt big. It felt like something from you know the late 80s early mm-hmm. 90s it just had this like energy to it and it was just polished and did not feel like a short film at all thanks man and and, and that's that's not rough you know just to you know wax your car i'm serious i mean I was, I was looking at this thing and just i was immediately hooked well what we did for that and this is what i was getting at it wasn't just mining for compliments but no. what, what i was getting at was uh we studied real hard and I studied real hard the language of what I liked. So, like, I was studying Spielberg. So, a big thing for me is that scene from Close Encounters where the air traffic controllers are leaning over the screen. Right. That's huge. Watch 12 cam. You'll see that. I, I felt that. Yeah. Like, uh, McTiernan for all those moves. Huge for that. There's some David Lynch. But I went through the process of, of studying the language, the visual language that these guys use. And it isn't like, it's not Stranger Things where people go, how about we copy these shots and we just insert these shots into it? I went, all right, I feel this way in, in Temple of Doom when they're sneaking up and they're looking over at the Kalima sequence yeah, yeah. that's happening. I know exactly what you're talking about. I like that sense of energy and yeah. how I feel there. So let me examine the sequence. And I examine the sequence. And I go, it's a dolly move. It's a low thing. It's this. 
great. And I just put those in my mental folder and I go, he uses Dolly for this reason. Like when we did the shot that you were talking about, the um, left like from to right. from left to right, yeah. Yeah. Spielberg did that consistently in all his movies, and that's how he he does exposition. Yeah. It's always a dolly move from left to right. And I started there, and I'm like, oh, cool, we're going to do, we'll do all the exposition on this dolly move. But then I got to the location, I go, there's not enough fucking room for that. So then I was like, all right, Cruda, we need to establish, because it's a play, it's one set, essentially, I need to establish the location of everything on this set. How can we do this dynamically and bring us into that? Let's do that steady cam move. Boom. So the steady cam move moves to the whole shot. It not only shows where the office is in relation yep. to the to the uh, altar that we called it, the sound altar, and where the hole was. That shot also introduces each one of the characters. And you go boom, 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 boom. All right, great. That's language stuff. Yeah, you it, you set up the geography of the place. Yeah, and, and it also just it just gave you a feeling. It just felt good. I mean, yeah. and, and, and you know, you were talking about Spielberg music Dolly. When you were just saying that, I was remembering when Belloc is talking with the German guy, and he's at the Ark, uh, you know, excavation of they're trying to find it. It goes left to right, but when the time when Indy digs up the Ark and they're pulling up, the dolly goes right to left, left. and it stops, and it just—it's so that language, man. Yeah, it's that language, and, and 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 you establish it. And the other person I said that reminded me is Andre Tarkovsky, man. Yes, there yes. was just that air that you know. I don't want to ruin the movie for people, for but when the main character goes into that black void with the white light, I was just like, holy shit this is visually gorgeous and yeah. i'm like some other place and it just felt like this russian expressionistic i was i was in it man I well you want it. to talk about because we talked briefly about colorists so when we originally shot that sequence it was an incredibly difficult one because it was just on a black stage sure and so like the geography of that sequence was very difficult there hit a point where crude was like i hope you know where we're fucking going because i have no idea we've spun around like seven times right right and i'm like i got it but what we did is he originally shot that sequence green. So it was a very green In sequence. Interesting. And so then he went off with our colorist, amazing colorist. I can't remember his name right now, but Crudy's going to hate me for it. But I, he did an amazing job on it. Um, and then they brought me in to see uh, rushes from it. And we actually colored in a theater, which was awesome. For That's that. great. And so I walked in and I was like, what the fuck is this? And they came up with that blue silver. Yeah vibe and that was all in that was all in the color grading and and, and to let you know i did watch your film on a 130 inch screen because <laughs> my roommate has a projector and so yeah we watch i i gave it the love i'm thanks, not gonna watch thanks, that shit man. on thanks, my phone man. thanks man it's <laughs> disrespectful and i, <laughs> thanks, I love man. i love seeing it big so and then maybe that was like why it spoke to me so much because i was seeing it you know i of course you always want to see your work on yeah. the biggest screen possible yeah, right yeah. um but yeah i love that man i thanks, mean I, man. that was some well, and I, I, I love your your John McTiernan note because I don't think he gets enough love these days. He does not. And I love the fact that you were like, McTiernan, and I go, this motherfucker, and I've seen your work, and I'm like, yeah, McTiernan is definitely in there. Oh, man, I just, you know, like, he, heroes of mine are, you know, McTiernan and Tony Scott. God, I love Tony Scott. Dude, I did that episode with uh, Joe Carnahan, and all we oh, did I love is that. just talk about Tony and Tony Joe's Scott's. a great guy. Joe is a great guy. I've I'm been fortunate enough to, you know, have a couple lunches and just, you know, befriend him. And he's such a great guy. He, I love him, man. He's he, an awesome. Dude. I was, I, the podcast where you got, he was just, he was so on, on like, when he was talking about your film, you yeah. know, I, I was just like, Oh, this is awesome, man. He <laughs> good for <laughs> yeah, Joe loves shit. that, you know, yeah, he, he does. And, and, and I, uh, you know, I can't wait to see, he just did a film 
um, called Shadow Force mm-hmm. down in Columbia. And mm-hmm. we had a lot of the same crew and whatnot. But and my my gaffer was gaffing that because my gaffer, a, a gaffer I work with out of Ohio, worked with Juan Me, who is um, Joe's DP. And, um, you know, he's done quite a few movies with Joe. I think the first movie he did with him was a Boss Level. Then he did. Boss um, Level's great. Was it Boss Level? And then he did uh, Cop Shop. And then I think there was one other one. And then they just did Shadow Force. So, yeah, I mean, anything Joe's doing, I'm I'm I've always a big fan of his. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but I'll dance around it. I was in the edit room with him for for one of these films. <laughs> Let's just say that. So, yeah, it's cool to see. It's that's cool to see. that's good. Yeah, that's cool good. But yeah, you know, and and you know, Joe's an influence as well. I mean, uh, the funny thing was with Joe, I when I was at AFI, Joe had just done um, Narc, yeah. and he brought it to AFI. Oh yeah. I didn't even know who Joe Carnahan was. Yeah. First five minutes of this movie come on, that you're like, fucking, holy that fucking shit. Run, that handheld run yeah, sequence. This is like some Billy Friedkin on steroids shit going on. And I was just like, whoa, this is great. You know, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved every single minute of it. And Ray the Yoda was great. And Jason Patrick. And just, he just had a fresh take on, it was just this energy to his work yeah. that I really loved. And, you know, he's continued to keep that, consistent throughout his work yeah dude i mean the gray oh gosh i know amazing fucking i i love the a-team remake i I like the a-team too i like smoking aces and just like i like his work and i and you know and joe's very gracious as as you know with you and myself it's just i i love the fact that he you know gives his time when he can to talk and i appreciate that so yeah man yeah 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 i i like I miss I miss uh, I miss Tony Scott. No, me too. But me I too. I also miss McTiernan, man. And me too. What was the last thing I saw? He made a commercial for a video game. He did. He and did. I, it was like a it was like a Rainbow Six game or some yeah. shit like that. But that was awesome. It was awesome. And I saw that ad and I go, "Is this fucking McTiernan?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was. I think he did it under a different name or something. Yeah. But yeah, it was. It's it, it, it's funny. A, a friend of mine is a producer in um, Georgia, South Georgia. Um, recently befriended him, mm. and it was through some of our contacts with Bruce and all that sort of thing. But I'll I'll leave that on the DL. But mm-hmm. they've been talking, and uh, he's like, "Brandon, your name came up a couple times." I'm like. Let's keep that going. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, yeah, please. I mean, look, whatever happens. I mean, I just, I'd love to just sit down with him and just tell him how much I love his films. I'm sure he would oh, love that. Dude, I would just love to get nerdy about because he started. I think he started as a documentarian. I think is. Where I think he you're started. right. Yeah. 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 Okay, it's time to take a break for a sec and talk about the men and women that support the show. And I'm talking about the sponsors. I'm talking about the companies, the gear that we use, the stuff that you guys are constantly asking me about. Uh, Supporting the show, as always, is our friends over at Puget Systems. If you're in the marketplace for a brand new computer, maybe you want an edit system, maybe you want a massive 6K, crazy, multiple tracks of video, real-time cutting beast like I have, go to PugetSystems.com. There you could choose your computer based upon the software you use. So if you want to build yourself a sick Premiere machine or you want to build yourself uh, an Unreal rendering machine, all that stuff is there. Uh, and here's what's great. 
they will uh, offer you a starter machine, like a starting package for a machine based upon the software. I think I said that right, based upon the software you're using. And then you can customize it, man. They love to hear from all their customers. Each and every one of us has a specific tool for our specific job. Uh, and what I love about Puget is that they'll build it custom for you right instead of spending an ass load of money on like three selections on some website somewhere and getting a computer that will then be rendered useless in a couple of years from now you know what i mean uh pcs can be upgraded uh and the tech and customer support that comes from puget systems right like i've never had the kind of support that i had from these guys from any other company that i've ever bought stuff from so I can't say enough great things about Puget Systems. So if you're in the market for a computer, go to PugetSystems.com or follow them on Instagram at Puget Systems. All right. Supporting the show, our friends over at Fujifilm. This is a cinematography episode, and so many of you out there are trying to uh, work on your craft and you want to upgrade from your iPhone. You've been shooting a bunch of stuff on your iPhone and you're like, look, I can't afford a red. Why would you buy a red? I can't afford the new Alexa. Uh, you should rent that. Why would you buy that? Um, but I need to have something that I can practice with. And I would love a camera that I can put real cinema lenses on that has a good color profile. And you know what would be even smart is if it was a camera that I would use as a second shooter when I did my productions. Look into Fujifilm's cameras. I'll tell you this right now. The X-H2S. I love that camera. It's a great second shooter. It shoots uh, 4K up to 6K, I think, if you're using uh, an external uh, recording device. And um, it shoots ProRes, which is amazing for post. Um, it has great color profiles. Um, it does slow motion. Um, I love the camera. And the lenses that you can get for that rig are beautiful. I have a, a 1.8 50 millimeter portrait lens that is so creamy, so beautiful. Love that rig. But if you have all these other lenses, maybe you, this is the first time that you're moving to Fujifilm and you've, maybe you've got like me, you've got a bunch of Nikon lenses. Uh, look into a company called Photo Deox. They make lens adapters so you can adapt lenses from other camera companies to other camera bodies so i got one specifically for the fuji rigs so we're able to put my uh, nikon lenses on my fuji film which are great because i have these macro lenses that are beautiful um, i'm also able to put pl mount lenses on my fuji film so if i want to do tests if i want to shoot a second camera with the same lenses that i'm putting on a an alexa right it's a great rig for that and surprise 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 if you're shooting insert shots and stuff uh on a smaller camera like that and maybe sometimes you have to blow them up the audience won't notice the difference and with the beauty of color grading you get a decent look that kind of matches the look of an alexa you're good to go great camera to have in your pocket uh you'll hear brandon and i talk about shooting and practicing and getting out there and trying things out this is the kind of camera that you want to have for that okay you want to have a small rig like this, something with a very small footprint. Um, it's something that's easy to manage. You don't need multiple ACs to like rig it out and to go through the process of it. And the autofocus feature in it is pretty fucking outstanding. You can actually set autofocus and do camera movements with it. It's pretty fucking outstanding. So uh, you want to see some more about this camera and others. I know they have some exciting new things coming out in the market that I'm not supposed to know about right now. Um, but I would go to Fujifilm. Go to Fujifilm. The links are in the description of this episode. And I've put trackable, traceable links. So when you click on links 
uh, in our description. It will tell Fujifilm that we sent you. So if you're going to buy anything from Fujifilm, use our links in the description of the episodes. And I also put up for a really useful refurbished gear link there. So if you're looking for new products and you don't want to spend full money on it, maybe it's in the refurbished stuff. So links are in the description of today's episode. Fujifilm, there. We're proud to have them as a sponsor of the show, uh, and I'm proud to know them personally. So Fujifilm and Photo Deox. Um, also supporting the show are our friends over at Boca Rentals. If you're going to try to get your hands on some of those new cinema lenses, maybe you want to practice with them. Maybe you want to see how those lenses react with your camera. Maybe you want to see how your new lighting techniques look on that type of lens. I'm telling you right now, there's glass means everything. So you could have the same light on a spherical lens and a same light in a, on an anamorphic, and it'll be completely different, a completely different look. And I'm not just talking flares, but just the way the light passes through those panes of glass and changes everything. And we talk about doing camera tests on the show. If you're in Los Angeles, call up Boca Rentals, get on there, do camera tests with them. They love to support young cinematographers, young filmmakers. That is the place to go to get your hands on all of the hottest new lenses out there in the market. These guys have Snorri cams. They're the only, I think they're the only West Coast distributor of a Snorri cam. So if you want to get your hands on the techniques that like Spike Lee uses when he straps cameras, or if you watched uh, like the old gamer movie, I just recently saw the technique used. I think they use it in Extraction 2, potentially. I think I saw it in there. Um, Snorri cam is this really cool rig that straps to the chest of an actor the camera mounts them and it gives you this really interesting perspective really cool stuff all of it can be found at bocarentals.com or go to their instagram at bocarentals and check out their crazy inventory of stuff great company place to go if you're in los angeles for rentals all right that's it let's get back into the interview fucking rad man i know and speaking of bruce i mean you've worked and shot some amazing action heroes and legends legends I, i've been very fortunate to work with uh you know bruce and uh now dave bautista and uh jeffrey oh, yeah. dean morgan and uh stallone and um gosh uh de niro and you know, recently Devin Sawa and and Frank Grillo now, and so yeah, I mean, it's been it, I've been very uh, for you know, I had a couple scenes with Wesley Snipes in the Cutthroat City, Ethan Hawke. Jesus, dude, um, I've been very blessed to, Jesus, to, to the people I've worked with, and and uh, so okay, what's that? I've worked with some celebrity guys, yeah, and I always find that uh, when I do, I'm like, I'm trying to. Do you find yourself? When you're going to shoot them, you've got, like, Bruce, for instance, right? Right, Like, right. we know Bruce Willis's face. We yeah. know what his face fucking looks like. You know, we know him from Die Hard. We know him from Last Boy Scout. Right. I know what light on screen looks like with him. When you first lit him, were you, like, trying to live up to Yeah, of course. Things? Of course. But yeah. what I found really quickly was, I was like, God, this guy's easy to fucking like. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he's shaved at that point and you'd hit him. You can hit a light any direction and he looks great. <laughs> and I, and I told him that midway through the first film I did, I did the other extraction, not the Sam Hardgrove Grove extraction. I did the one with Bruce, Steven and I, that was the first movie we did together. Yeah. But the first shot we had with Bruce was he's tied up in this, some sort of like, you know, Georgian prison or Russian Chechnyan prison or something. And he gets out and he shoots these guys, whatever. But I had like this backlight and just this very, this like top light going on. And there was like a practical over here and that was it. And all the uh, one side of his face just went dark. Yeah. And I looked at it. I was like, that fucking looks cool. We'll just do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, so you couldn't see one half of his face, but you know, nobody said it. Steve was like, this look fucking looks great. Let's go. And we did it. And, and, and I told him midway through the shit, I was like, you know, you're really easy to light. He's like, yeah, that's what I said. He's like, you know, it's like a big globe. <laughs> just hit it wherever you want. And, and ever since then, ever since that film, we've, we've, we built a friendship and, and it came to the point where, you know, as he progressed and his, his, uh, disease progressed, yeah. it, it like, you know, it was harder for him, but I, I was always there for him and just wanted to know, let him know that, look, I'm going to protect you. you I'm your not going to make parents make you look exactly. Good. And I'm, and, and even if, you know, sometimes a lot of people would, you know, try to talk to him and it, it's, I, I don't know what's going on with, with that disease. Obviously it's, it's probably hard to put a lot of things together, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. I think that if it was, there was a singular voice and sometimes the director would ask me to go talk to him and I'm not, I'm not like outing anybody or anything. It's not like that. It just, you know, it, it, he, he was having problem focusing. And so if and I you're, could, you're familiar, you're exactly, I'm he, somebody that's familiar. And so yeah. if I can go up to and talk to him and say, Hey Bruce, can we do this, this, this? And, uh, you know, much like people are always worried about like, Oh, Bruce was, was, told to do this and this was not he wanted to be there he wanted to be on set that was his happy place that was mm. like where he he was he wanted to be around the crew he wanted to work you know and when that became too hard for him to do that i think that it, it's sort of like i think you know his wife stepped in and everybody made a constant decision and his team was like okay this is it you know yeah but having those experiences with him and being able to go multiple places with him i i had a blast and and you know i I've always said to critics, fuck you. You have no idea what's going on. Fuck you. If you don't like these movies, I don't give a shit. It's yeah, just like, yeah, I got to work with one of the biggest action stars in the world. Who's a friend of mine. You have no fucking clue what's going on. And trust me, when you do find out, you're going to feel like shit, like a fucking asshole, like a bunch saying, of fucking cocksuckers. And yeah, yeah, now yeah. they do. Yeah. yeah now yeah, they yeah. do. So it's sorry for my language. But no, dude, you're on my show. So it's fine. Yeah, it, it's fine. it just, it just killed me when I would see that. And, and then finally, when that happened, I mean, I wrote a tweet and I just, I just said, you know, I said, F you to every single one of you guys who made fun of him and did this and that you had no clue what was going on. This guy's trying, he's doing his thing. He's trying to entertain people. And, you know, you just shit on him and you're going to, you're going to miss him when he's gone. This business sucks for that man. I mean, you we know, love to create these heroes and then we love to smash them. Smash him. And, and I love Bruce and you know, he, I, I'm really good friends with his, uh, his best friend, Stephen Eads and uh, his manager's best friend. And, and Stephen and I, uh, you know, I always call him and see how Bruce is doing and he's doing good. You know, he's spending time with his family. He's doing good. And, and I, I, I hope to see him one day, you know, just to just give him a big hug and say, hey, but I was very fortunate to be able to work with him. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'll never forget that, you know, I, I, and I'm just glad I did. And, oh, yeah. Another one I worked with, Nicolas Cage. So, oh, I mean, my God, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> How could you forget about Nick? Uh, yeah. I mean, 
uh, Stephen and I did this movie called Southern Fury, which then changed to Arsenal, which is the stupidest fucking title in the world. But I don't know why. It was like, everybody's going to get it confused with the soccer team or the football team in, in England. I'm, I'm telling you. And then, of course, yeah. But anyway, it was this movie with Adrian Grenier, Jonathan Sheck, um, a couple other actors, and uh, Nicholas Nick, Nick, Cage was in it. And it was a funny thing. He shows up to set, and he's wearing this wig and this prosthetic <laughs> and these glasses, and he's got this, like, fucking peach suit on. And and I'm, and Steven's like, holy shit, he's wearing, like, a whole costume. And I can't tell him to take it off. I was like, well, I'm not going to tell him to take it off. <laughs> I never worked with him. <laughs> but I'm looking at him, and I'm seeing and and, and I can't place where the freaking hell i've seen this right but uh-huh. and i'm like i'm trying to justify it i'm like well maybe he's like trying to do like an elvis memphis mafia thing maybe he's like trying to be one of those guys <laughs> so we should do the scene he's brilliant he's amazing and i didn't meet nick cage that day he was in character sure, sure. so the next movie i did with him I, did, I met him and he apologized and all that but while he was doing it and and i didn't i just could not like place it but he did his rage in the cage stuff one of the scenes when he had to is was, was amazing and then um a week later i'm somebody sends me one of those like rage cage you know things mashups on youtube where just all his scenes where he's going nuts sure and there's a scene from deadfall and i'm looking at it and he's like come on man and he's kicking stuff and screaming and he's wearing the same wig the same, same glasses man. and the same. I'm like, motherfucker. He just re-resurrected <laughs> this character and he brought it back. And that's what he did. And I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's, so a yeah. Fascin- he's a fascinating study. Oh, fascinating study. But man, he, is he ever on? I mean, he comes to set prepared. He's He knows everybody's lines. He knows the script back for, backwards and forwards. If an actor drops a line, he'll tell them the line. Because he just has this crazy memory, and he just has this like cinema IQ that's amazing. Yeah, and a lot of people don't see that. But I mean, I I told him I said, "Dude, you're the Brando of our generation." He was like, "Oh, come on, oh man, come on, no, no." And I'm like, "No, you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're you're amazing. Yeah, yeah. Everything he does, and the, you know, you can rip Nick Cage apart for all those movies he's done. I don't care, man. That guy brings it every single time. Dude, I mean, he's like, he's a Renaissance man at this point. Like, like the fact that. He has embraced the insanity that often is his performances, <laughs> yeah. and he's made it a brand that is successful as Marvel is a brand. Just literally pulling people into theaters to see him do stuff, and then you know I talk about Mandy all the time, and for a brief, great film. brief period of time, I was working with those dudes over there. Yeah, and just his performance in that movie, and the just the collaboration that he had with Panos, who yeah. directed that film, yeah. it's fucking insane. And and how that rebooted his career—it's incredible. It's right? it's incredible, dude. And and just to put himself out there in that movie, and just that one scene where he's in the bathroom, he's just the drinking, and just the underpants, screaming and crying. It was like. Please give this guy a fucking big movie again. I mean, this, he's just incredible. He's incredible, dude. And he's been one of my favorites since fucking Raising Arizona. Now, since course. fucking, you know, Face Off, which everybody loves that fucking movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've heard rumors about and maybe another one. Of those. I've heard that, too. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'll yeah. see if I can pull it out of him if yeah. I see him again. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean, and, and then, you know, working with... Uh, Dave Bautista, which was great because he had just done Guardians. He seems like a really nice guy. He's a super nice guy and what a hell of a human being. And he had just done Dark Guardians. It was like 2014 in the fall. I did that movie, Bus 657, which was then named, changed to Heist, which 
again, the brilliant marketing team over there at Lionsgate. Uh, <laughs> there's a David Mamet movie named Heist, but they didn't seem to care. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, Dave just we've I've I've been friends with him ever since. You know, we've collaborated three times that we still call each other to see how we're doing and all that. And we're going to find something else to work on in the future. But I've remained friends with a lot of these guys. So, which is, which is very cool. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan's another one. And mm-hmm. he's another great guy. Yeah. Uh, he's, I've seen him just, you know, same thing with Dave, I've just seen their career, just go from one to just boom, go off, take off. So yeah. I mean, again, you know, I could sit here and, you know, talk about all these people I work with, but I mean, the, the, very, well, very, very fortunate yeah, to be able to work with these guys. And, and like, Especially, especially now in modern, in modern society. Yeah, you know the the movies that you and I loved growing up really have been pushed off of the. There is no real action. I mean, you've got like Extraction that came out with Helmsworth, right. and not like that. And John Wick has kind of saved it. And then you know uh, Tom Cruise is still doing it with the Mission Impossible right. thing. Right. But you're not getting like who's the new Bruce Willis right now. I don't know. I yeah. mean, I guess it would be Hemsworth. I don't know. It's like a mashup of guys. Kind of, sort of. I guess. But no, you're right. I mean, the, look, after I, last summer, after I saw um, Top Gun, yeah, I just, I knew right then, I was like, why can we not just have a film that makes you entertained? Yeah, exactly. Why does every movie have to have some fucking social political idea or something that has to be real or something? It's just like, just shut your brain off for two hours and just go on and be entertained. I, dude, I, I, re- I miss that. I do too, man. And I, I really feel like the big reason why I think it's important that everybody has their voice on film. Of course. I think it's important that everybody has an opportunity to do their stuff. And I also think that Hollywood genuinely doesn't give a fuck about any of that. No. And I think they like to pretend like they do. But when they cram social messaging into stuff, they're able to market movies easier with it. And it it became this very simple marketing scheme, which was like, hey, guess what? We're going to put this message in here. If you don't believe in it, even better. Because the negative reviews get more looks and likes than the positive reviews do. So. That became like the big push for it. Yeah. And even though that they're they're putting it out there, which I think is important and sure. which they should be doing, which is everybody should have an opportunity for their own voice and stuff. Sure. Dude, I've gone through the process of like trying to cast movies and I've sent I've sent lists of people that I want to work with. And I'm like, this movie here, I would love like an Idris Alba or like a younger black man to be the lead. And they go, ah, that's not gonna happen. I go, what? We're, you're currently saying right now that you want to cast diversity for this stuff. And they're like, yeah, but he's not going to make money internationally. Yeah, that's all. not going to do any of that stuff. And I go, well, what's this whole fucking thing that everybody's ranting about? Goes, yeah. oh, that's just for the fucking media, man. That's just the front loading on this bullshit. Yeah, they need the uh, they need the, the guy that put the asses in the seats guy. The uh, As I like to call the money ball of, of, of actors, <laughs> yeah. which is, is what it is. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. well, his market value isn't good here. It's like, who fucking cares, care. man? Just put the best people in the movie you know and And if it's a good movie people will go see it correct and if you do a good job with the fucking if you spend the money on the marketing and you do a good job with the marketing the more people will go see exactly because look i've I've always believed in the best people for the job um you know i I, i've i've put together ideas for cast on certain things they're like yeah but that guy's not he doesn't give give us bank here this guy doesn't give us bank here i'm saying these people are great actors and who yeah. cares? Like I'm friends with Isaiah Washington. I did a movie with him. Mm-hmm. That guy is like 
shunned upon for everything because of that shit with Grey's Anatomy that happened. What was that? 2010. Yeah, yeah. It's 2023. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying let it go, but just like, but can that's, people that's an, grow? Can people? That's move enough on? time. I think yeah. people have learned their lesson. You know, let's go. But it just, you know, it, it, there's a there's some stigma about like having to have this person for to to get your finance. I mean, that's a whole other fucking yeah avenue we could go the, down the perceived value of actors is it blows my mind and i'm always trying to figure out what that fucking formula is i don't know what it is and you talk to someone you go like how is this person how's this person more valuable than bruce willis is exactly bruce willis is the fucking you know he's john he's john mcclain yeah and this fucking kid's more oh because this kid was on uh jimmy kimmel and they did a fucking contest where he ate spiders and that clip went viral on yeah. fucking youtube that shit's never worked every time i've i've seen where they're like oh this person's got five eight million followers on twitter and this that oh he's going to be good and they're going to market them. I said, that, that doesn't mean jack all shit in movies man no. and it never translates it never does they uh, producers try to sell me on that shit all the time and i'm like you could have gotten a really good actor instead of this person who doesn't act and is just famous for social media, whatever. That's fine. They can do that. You know, it's America. You do whatever the fuck you want, but it's just like, I don't subscribe to that because it's just, it's kind of insulting to actors to just bring in some fucking social media jackass that doesn't even act and like, yeah, I want to be in movies. You know, I, I mean, but that's been existing. I mean, look at, uh, (laughs) look at what they were doing that with sports, you know, stars for years. And like, you know, you've got all these sports celebrities coming in I mean, that's the, the 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 fucking like toxic clashing of business and right. art that right. is just a necessity. Because, dude, I need a few million right now, and so like it's yeah, not like sure. I can just go, hey, you know, hi, dad, do me a favor <laughs> yeah. and uh, write me a fucking check. So I get it, and I get that there's the blend of those things, but you just wish that uh, the business now was uh, more focused on talent. I yeah. And more focused on um, auteurs again. Like, I really want the filmmaker auteur system to sort I, of come back. So do I. Because I feel like this sort of democratic way of making movies that exists is just creating vanilla fucking bullshit. Yeah, you know, I agree. I mean, I've talked about this with a lot of friends and filmmakers. I've said, again, going back to Tom Cruise and what he's saying, I, the, I feel that Hollywood right now is in the same place it was right before the beginning of the 70s mm-hmm. where the mm-hmm. studio system was just, you know, it was just pounded into oblivion and people were like, we want something fresh and the De Palmas and the Scorseses and mm-hmm. Spielberg and all those guys came in and they, they flipped it on its head and it needs that again. Yeah, It needs that again for some reason. It just needs a new crop of dudes to come in there and just say, F you, we're going to do it this way and we're going to do it our way and just switch it up again. And I don't yeah. know what that is but it has to be there has to be something like that dude it's like i i want to do that as a director and i think that i think that if anything (laughs) i think that if anything top gun proved this yeah that top gun was a success sure it was an existing property it was an existing ip but how many young kids gave a fuck about the original top gun not Not many. many And the people that did were are cinephiles, but they represent a very small community. Sure. When you're talking about like the Midwest and all over the fucking place, right? Top Gun was Tom Cruise. People know who Tom Cruise is. He's still a face. Yep. It's fucking jets, and it's like uh, adventure and practical adventure. And you go through this process, and you go, 
fuck? And that movie crushed. Crushed on a on maximum levels. I mean, just like crushed. crushed. And it didn't it didn't need any social messaging. It didn't need any of that shit. And there's this sense that movies were always about escapism. Right. Always. And that's what I miss. Yeah. And so there needs to be room for this again. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be dramas. I just watched some fucking really great dramas last week. But there needs to be room for adventure because you're you're not going to get original IPs uh, otherwise. No. You're not going to get, uh, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. No. Otherwise. You, like, you, you want those movies that make us feel good but also are rooted in the in cinema. Yeah, no. I look, there's there's something that is lacking there. And and I think when, you know, Cruz comes along and thank God he did not cave in and put it out on I'm the like, streamer because yeah. that movie would not have been anywhere Anything. near as successful if if you watched it at home. No. It wouldn't have had the effect. It you just wouldn't it would have been like, "Oh yeah, that was pretty cool." Whatever. Thank God I got to see that movie in IMAX. Yeah. And, and thank God that uh, I, I experienced it with a with an audience. Yes. And uh, we needed that movie. Dude. After coming off the pandemic, we needed that movie. And it just, it, it reaffirmed my belief in the theatrical experience again. Yes. Because I went to the cinema a couple weeks ago. I had been in the movies and I couldn't even tell you when the last movie I saw. I went and saw Guardians 3 yeah. and I saw Asteroid City. And I watched them both with the audience. Yeah, it was packed, awesome. and I was like, "Thank God, people are coming to the movies again." Yeah, you know, and so it, it was. I, I believe in that experience. I believe in experiencing that movie, but there just needs to be good product. Yeah, and we need we need escapism movies. We need that because, like, how many times now are you aware you're in the cinema, dude? And if you're aware you're watching a movie, something's fucking wrong, dude. You're watching it and you're going like, "Oh my god!" Yes, like. The other thing that I got into, and it's fun that we're on this tangent. The other thing I got into uh, a heated conversation with last night with some friends over beers. I heated, think, oh, yeah, here heated. we go. Yeah, because <laughs> you know me and my tangents on this show. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got into this heated conversation over uh, streamers and how I think it's a disrespect to cinema and to yeah. the filmmakers to have your film on the same fucking lineup as like reality TV. Yeah, so that's as bullshit. you sort of scroll through and it's like, what are the top things on the streamer this week? Uh, here's uh, house hunters. Here's house flippers. And oh, by the way, crammed in between these two two new things is Scorsese's new fucking movie. Yeah, that's stupid. It's like it's it's the same reason why people ask me, "Hey, why do you shoot stills with a camera when you can just shoot stills with your iPhone?" Right. I go, well, because I get texts from my girlfriend nagging me on my iPhone, and I don't want to be shooting my, my art on the same device that I get nagged You're on. in the middle of something, and then bloop, a text pops up, and you're like, oh, shit. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Get like, out of here, like, yeah. yeah. So, like, it's the same thing with me with the streamer, and if there's anything that I learned by releasing 12Cam the way I did, which is, like, you have to write to me and do this whole thing, is about context. And the reason why I love the movies that I did when I grew up is because of the context that I was put in by the marketing campaigns, by going and standing in line, and by going to the cinema. Like, it was an event. You had to earn it in one way or another. And then you go there, and it's your thing. And suddenly, you've earned this. Even if you were watching on videotape, 
and you rented videos. It was from still home. the same because you were you were judging almost like the movie from the box cover, exactly, and the artwork, and exactly. there was something exciting about that, right? Exactly. But remember when Hollywood was doing these trailers to where they were like teasers, but they weren't even in the movie. That like the visual, like I remember specifically Terminator Two. Okay, which one? Was okay, it? so there was one where it's like inside this. You're inside of some factory. You don't know what the hell's going on, and then you see this metal skull, and it turns around. Oh yeah! And they're building, they're building the the T one eight hundred, right? Yes. And you, it's going through, and it's the lasers through it, and because the, the the whole fucking you know assembly line, and the last thing, it's just two big metal slabs squeezed together, and it's a body. And Arnold comes out, and he says, "I'll be back," you know, and yeah. says T two, you know, <laughs> that was fucking amazing. Yeah, you didn't need to see one thing from the movie. You were like, "I'm fucking there. I don't care. Bring it on." Yeah. Twister did the same thing. Yeah, they had a whole teaser of like this. This guy's like running into his house. Come on, we gotta go. And he gets his family, and they put him down in the I barn. Remember this? I remember this. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah. That was the trailer. Yeah, fucking and, awesome. And you were like. You know, I get goosebumps thinking about it, but it's just like you, you, they don't do that anymore. The only thing that kind of did that, which I don't remember if it was in the movie or not, and love it or hate it, that recent Ghostbusters movie where they did the whole push on the barn. You're right. And they had yeah. the, uh, I don't think the it thing was. Off. That was great. That was great because it felt like that. It felt like that kind of shit. And dude, as a director, when I'm on set, I'm always trying to think of what trailer meet's going to be. And that's yeah. a big thing that everybody of talks course. about. Right? Of course. And I remember, I, I I think I heard, it was an interview that I heard with Robert Rodriguez, or maybe I read it, and he was real smart about it. He goes, what I try to do is I try to put stuff in the second act that's trailer meat that doesn't give away anything that happens in the third act, because most movies, the most exciting shit that's trailer meat is in the third act of the yeah. film. Yeah. And so then you, you have to put that in the trailer and it gives away the movie. But if you can load your second act... Well, the end of the first act with some fucking trailer meets yeah. and some sequences, then you're not giving anything away. And I even love uh, the way Hitchcock used to do it, where he would shoot just sequences for the trailer. That's I mean, that's brilliant, that man. I mean, that's just brilliant. But you know, there, there's it's it's like what you're saying. You're going back. You know, why is a perfectly awesome film right next to some fucking reality bullshit, like? These are two different things, you know? What it does, and, and people are like, well, stop bitching about this. No, no, no. Here's what it does. It subconsciously fucks with you. So let's say... <laughs> it does. It does, man. It, let's say like a fucking Tuesday night, you're like, you come home, you're like, I don't watch a movie tonight, yeah. right? You go in, you make some dinner, you come into the television room, and you go, all right, cool. Let me find this movie. So you're digging through this queue, and you're like, what's this bullshit? What's this bullshit? So then you get lost... Is you forget hunt, what you're trying to look for. What you're trying to look for. And then now, with how they do it on the streamers, where if you just cursor over the thumbnail, they start playing whatever oh, the fuck that. it is. I fucking hate that. So I'm on the hunt for Scorsese's new thing, and I just sat through two loudly pl like plugged sequences of a fucking house flipping episode. And I'm like, so this is the mentality Ugh. that I'm going into this cinematic piece with? Is that... <laughs> Hey man, this is the brain trust over at whatever Amazon, Netflix, uh, whatever you Hulu. know, Silicon Valley guy is yeah, out there going, they like, don't we're know. gonna make all this money. It, th I think that's a big thing, and, and and for those of you who are sitting there going, really, is it a big thing? Here's why it is: when I make a movie, and when you work on a movie, we spend hours crafting what it sounds like. We spend hours figuring out what you hear under the production logo as it runs on screen. Yep. We spend weeks figuring out how to subconsciously manipulate your experience to being something exciting. And so 
Uh, the same way when they made new fucking TVs that had that smoothing feature. Oh, boy. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> you know? It, like, all of these things fuck with your your emotional context going into a film. Yeah. And I think that what's great about going to the cinema, there are things that could fuck with you. Maybe you're, maybe you're in line and there was an asshole in front of you. Or maybe there's someone sitting behind you that decided to wrap up fucking chicken wings and like tinfoil. <laughs> And they're out there unwrapping that stuff behind you. Maybe there's some bullshit like that going on. But most places, you go in, the lights go down, everybody gets reset. There's a there's a there's a point where you're starting. Clean. Give me the information. Exactly. That the want. Exactly. I mean that's that's you know I an experience I remember, which you know I'll never forget, is the first time I saw Saving Private Ryan. Oh yeah. Um, after. The first sequence, the D-Day sequence, um, my girlfriend poked me, <laughs> and because she said I was grabbing both hand, both of my hands were grabbed on the edge of the seat, my palms were sweaty, and I was sitting, you know, above like this, just engulfed into these images. And she's like, "You're all right." I'm like, "Well, that was well." I forgot where the hell I was. Yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, I. I'm not saying every movie does that, but I mean, when a movie can do that, it's, it's quite magical. And that's, you know, my cinematography professor at AFI said our job as cinematographers and as filmmakers is to gently pick up the audience for two hours and immerse them in the, in the movie and gently put them back down. If you're aware that you're in the movie, you did not do your job. Yeah. And I always consciously try to think about that Yeah, to try to like get that back into to the subconscious of, you know, the psyche of when these people go to, you know, when people go to sit down and go take their time to watch a movie. I'll tell you what, man, if I saw Saving Private Ryan on a streamer, what would happen is, is I would be starting to white knuckle the couch and suddenly out of nowhere, it would stop. And then I'd hear my girlfriend's voice going, I'm going to use the bathroom and I'm going to go make myself a sandwich. I'll be back in 10 minutes. And I'd go, fuck. (laughs) Exactly. No, I hear that. Stop stopping the movie. Can you turn that down? It's really loud. No. (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of that. But, you know, it's, uh, we're in a, we're in a really weird place, but I am, you know, obviously with the strike going on and all that, but I am, I am happy that, you know, I have been working a little bit, which is good, but I just, I don't know. I don't know where we're going to go after this. I hope once the writers and hopefully SAG won't strike, but mm-hmm. it's not looking that way, but we'll see. Uh, hopefully once they figure out what they need and what they, what they want, uh, we can get back to business as usual. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I personally, Dude, I mean, I, like I've heard, I don't I think I'm allowed to talk about some of this stuff. I've heard, you know, the deals yeah, that the, people are talking about it. It's whatever. I heard the deals that the directors made. No, I did too. I mean, I that I did hear because when I was when I was at uh, when I was doing the movie in uh, Columbia, my AD and the um, producer were talking about it back and forth at lunch. Well, that's good. Well, that's pretty good. Well, that's cool. You know, and I was yeah. like, I knew the DGA would figure it out. Yeah, they always do. They never. They, they never. Just, they seem. I'm not insulting anybody. If you listen to the show, they just seem more put together than the other ones. Yeah, I mean. There's obviously, you know, writing's a little more stickier. There's a lot of more, especially on the TV side, because yes. when you have 15 people in a room or 12 people in a room, and then there's a whole hierarchy of that system. I, and then how long are you employed for? And correct. how long are you under contract for? And all that stuff, which is very important. And I think writers are abused. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, 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 and I agree. And, I, and, and they should get, 
you know, the money that they're deserved and, and I hope they do. Same thing with the actors and same thing with directors. You know, I can get on the whole below the line side of things, but I won't go there because that's a whole nother ball of wax. But yeah, I just hope that once this whole thing finishes that, you know, it's business as usual, we go back to things. I don't know if it's going to be the same or how it's changing. Um, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, one would assume. I mean, there's a lot of rumors out there that it's only lasting this long because it's beneficial financially for some of these streamers to draw it out. Yeah. As far as like contracts are concerned. Yeah. And so else. they can just shit can them afterwards once yeah. they're, once it's past a certain date, which is disgusting, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't like seeing that, but I mean, our business is just built on trash. It is, but it is. there is a, uh, there is, um, I, dude. There's gonna hit a point where like the, the content needs to to show back up again. So yeah, no, it does, and, and and maybe there's a shift. Maybe people are gonna go back to the movies and watch less streamers, or who knows? I don't, I don't know. I'd be curious to see, you know, because a lot of this stuff requires uh, an understanding of like actual numbers. So in the like, there is a whole lot of stuff going around where it's like streamers are actually in a deficit and they're not making I've the kind of money that I've they're that. saying that they're making. So, um, you know, you can only uh, pour so much food in the trough for the pigs without having to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know exactly. What <laughs> what's, well, let me ask you something. What's next for you now that you've done 12 KM? That's to mm -hmm. me seems pretty damn successful. I mean, I enjoyed it. And Thanks, what's the man. next thing? Are you going to turn that into a feature or you've got something so, else? 12 KM, we finished that. That's older. So I finished that in 2016. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so that one was made as a proof of concept. And then, um, uh, the, we, everybody's heard me talk about it on the show. Uh, didn't get into film festivals. I had an article written by a friend that then got attention. And so we took that around and pitched it everywhere. Uh, it ended up at Ridley Scott's office, and it ended up at Scott Free. Wow. Which is amazing. That's a great place for it to be. Yeah. So uh, they love it over there. Um, but the consensus is when we went out with that script for the first time for uh, financing, it was the same week as like Harvey Weinstein. Wow. <laughs> so it's timing, right? So yeah. we went out the same. So at that time period where we're knocking on doors, dudes... Dudes are shutting doors and of course, like hiding behind doors. Of course, you know, and so that was the thing. The other thing that we ran into was that being that even though I've directed for twenty years, I'm a first time filmmaker, and so uh, with uh, our script that we wrote for Twelve Cam, it's under ten, but it's over four million to right. be able to do. Right. And so the consensus is, all right, Mike, do something smaller first, and I'm like, okay. So then we did this other piece I'll have to show you called uh, Who's There. Yeah. And uh, Who's There, uh, we wrote while I was doing that sort of tour through different production offices. And there was this one production office that I really want to work with. And I went into them and I said, hey, um, what's your formula for this shit? Because you guys obviously have a fucking formula. Yeah. And so they, they told me what the formula was. And me and my writer sat down. And I'm like, can we play within these confinements? And we do come up with something great. If not, who gives a fuck? And so... We fucked around and we came up with Who's There and literally wrote the short film, shot it, produced it, shot it, edited it in three months. And so then I was still back in Boston. So when I came back here to do more 12 cam stuff, I surprised the agents and I go, here's a whole new movie. Here's a whole new thing. Wow. And then my uh, writer wrote a whole fucking feature for it. We're like, bam, 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 bam. And so then that was kicking around. 
and we were ready to go out with that. And then, what was the thing that fucked us? Was it COVID? It was like COVID or something else fucked yeah. us on that. Um, so since then, I just shot a new piece that I'll have to show you. Oh, I'd love to see it. Called Come Home, which is really great. Um, and that's going to rejuvenate uh, one of our other scripts. Oh, cool. And then we're currently writing two new features right now. And uh, we're writing a feature that I'll tell you about afterwards. Okay. That uh, is uh, probably about a million dollar movie. And it will most likely, no matter what, I'm going to fucking shoot it. So whether or not we get independent financing to shoot it. Yeah. Or whether or not we get um, a small studio or small production company on board. Um, and I, it's going to be. We're, we're aiming for this movie. I'm, I don't want to give away too much, but we're aiming with this movie for it to be the midnight screening festival film that you open the door and sounds come out of it. And you're like, why the fuck am I not in this? Movie? There you go. So that's it. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it. I think that uh, also, you know, writing for your budget level or knowing, you know, what your constraints are. I think that's another good thing, but uh, yeah. Cause I mean, I, I saw your film and I just, I think he should be doing bigger shit. Thanks, man. That's that's just my opinion. Thanks, man. And it's just like, I got to sort through the world. <laughs> I, I know we all do. We all do. I mean, I'm. It's yeah. I'm still trying to get a series or a you know bigger budget or whatever. But it it'll happen. I mean, it's like everybody's at their own level and phase of their life and wherever they're going, they're on their own journey. And and but dude, honestly, it's about who you meet, right? Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. It's like I know all the right people. It's it's. You know, I mean, I, I'm trying to open up and meet more and all that sort of thing. It's the right opportunity comes along and you do it. But uh, I have been very, you know, blessed. I mean, I was on a run with Emmett Furler for a while. Um, and then I got out of that. And, and then, you know, Line of Duty came that way. And mm -hmm. that was different producers. And then meeting RZA to do Cutthroat City. I mean, you know, you're talking about like things that happened that, sort of screwed up the trajectories that Cutthroat City got into South by Southwest in 2020. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. ecstatic. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we're canceling South by Southwest. Fuck like, off. Fuck. Yeah. I remember that day. I was uh, I was shooting a movie with Ed. I was shooting Cosmic Sin, and we were in Atlanta. And I knew Rizzo was back in L.A. prepping for the Wu-Tang uh, TV show. Uh -huh. And I just happened to FaceTime him because I just found out the news. And he and I didn't think I thought he was at home or something. I didn't realize he was in the writers' room. He's like, "What's up, Peacocks?" And I'm like, uh, "What's up, man?" I didn't realize you were working. And he's like, "Yeah, what's going on, man? It's the writers for the show." And we're all on there. And and uh, I said, "Listen, uh, I don't know. You want to go in the other room?" He's like, "No, no, it's good. You're we're, for, we're family and all that." I said, "Well, so we're not going to South by Southwest." He's like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Well, this COVID thing." And he's like. Fuck, <laughs> and everybody yeah. sort of like was all on Facetime, and I just laughed. I was like, "Yeah, dude." He's like, "Ah, damn it!" So we had to figure up a, a different game plan, and yeah. uh, you know, the whole thing. He always wanted to be theatrical, which in that time I was like, "I don't know, man." And it did go theatrical in August of 2020. Not many people went and saw it, but once it hit Netflix, it sort of had another life of its own. Sure, there, because just nobody was thinking about it everybody but, was sitting at home watching tv exactly and i but it's one of those moments where you know i got it into camera image and that didn't happen so it just like it was Fuck. yeah i was bummed but you know it's shit happens and you you find another way you know you find another yeah, avenue. I mean, so like it sucks when everything this business can really beat on you yeah it really can man and it, like when you 
are being beaten on, you're just like, what, like, what the fuck am I doing this for? What, 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 why am I like, <laughs> I say this many times. Yeah. Like what the fuck, man? It, like we, yeah. we went through this with uh, one of our scripts that was ready to go. Yeah. And everybody was like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then it didn't fucking happen. And then people just sort of pieced out there. I'm out. Yeah. And it, like that event crushed me. Of as course. a director, because you're with this for so yeah, fucking long. it's part of you, man. And you just like, you blood, sweat, and tears over this thing. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, we're not going to do it. Yeah, oh, this yeah. is going to happen. Just, yeah, yeah. It's like you lost a child. You it, know? Well, it's like, it's crowning, it's coming out. And then they're just like, put it right back yeah. in there. Yeah, it's like, and you're just like, fuck, <laughs> man. And, uh, you know, I went through that process and I was really fucking depressed for a while. And luckily my good friend Lance, who's an actor, and him and I worked together for years and he, we just got lost during COVID into like directing actors and like new directing techniques. And I really fell into this world of building character and him and I just, uh, he's like, let's just shoot something. And I'm like, all right. And then we, I was like, let's just do a fucking scene. And then I can't just do a fucking scene. Then it's like, and I'm like, all right, so no one's going to be, we'll shoot it in the garage. All right, we'll do it in the garage. Okay, fine. I'll just fucking shoot it. It's been a while since I've shot anything. Cruda can't come out. I'll just do it. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, I'll fucking do this. And I'm like, it's, it's the whole fucking system where I'm like, all right, so if I'm doing it, I'm going to bring in a couple guys to help me light. Yep. And I'm just going to put it on sticks. It's going to be a sticks movie. Right, right, right. And then I get into the fucking rental house. I'm hanging out with the rental guys and they have a new slider. And I'm like, oh, maybe there I need needs to try to be that. some fucking movement. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so then I get the movement, bring the slider in, and then I'm trying to direct the sequence. And I'm also trying to use the slider for the first time. And I'm trying to hit my marks in the slider, but right. also watch the performance. And I'm failing as a director because I'm like trying to do the slider thing. And my girlfriend, who's also in the business, she comes in and she goes, you need a camera operator to help you do this stuff. And I was like, yeah, but I, I was so lost in the moment. I'm right. so irritated. And I'm like, I can fucking do that. She's like, no, we're getting you a camera operator. So the next day I met my buddy Travis, who is a great camera operator. He came in and quickly got on board with it. And the movie became huge and then we 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 shot the scene everybody's excited about this you guys haven't seen yet we shot the scene and then we're watching in the edit and then uh gina's like my girlfriend she's like uh is this it and i go yeah look how great it is it's boring she goes yeah but there needs to be more man i go fuck (laughs) she's like you gotta do this sequence they're always the best they always have the best advice it's the truth it's it's the hard facts truth that like just cut right to the bullshit they cut right to your soul you're like fuck i'm like you're right and they're like like, there needs to be some creature effects and then i go ah so then it's just it fell down this hole and we shot this this piece it's short it's great come home it's the new piece and it's the best thing i've ever done oh man i can't wait to see that that's it amazing. Came, it came out of depression. And then I look, that's probably like frustration, depression, all of that. Those are the best motivators to push you through. Yeah, dude. You know, when you're down. Yeah, dude. Um, I've been many times in, in, in a position of, oh, this didn't work out or I missed this. I didn't get this job or whatever. And then something else, you know, you get frustrated, you get upset and then something else happens. But I think using that as a force of creativity it's almost like a dangerous weapon, right? Dude, it is. And, and and when you when you succeed with it, it's even that much more like gratifying, I love it, dude. I love it. Like I I had to get a therapist because of everything I was going through, and she said to me at one point, she goes, "Did it ever occur to you that all of your creativity and all of your stuff has always been centralized around some form of anger?" And I was like, "Yeah, because of our business." <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, nobody. See, that's a thing, man. Like, nobody gets that. Like, it's not in the business. How much bullshit you have to deal with? There's a lot of bullshit, and, and you know, even when I was in film school, I, I, I had, I wish they had some sort of like mental health stuff. I mean, now I'm like. Good God, man. I mean, like with relationships, with dealing with stress, with dealing with, you know, rejection, with dealing with all of this stuff. It's a lot, you know. Well, dude, especially in your business, especially. Like yeah. if you're a cinematographer, how do you have personal relationships when you're fucking thrust off for how many months do you disappear down to like Columbia for? Yeah, I was down there for two and a half months. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just hard, but you just... You just keep, you know, the lines of communication open, but it, it's it's hard, man. It, yeah. it is. It is very hard, and you're always on the road. You're always, you know, off doing something. And you, and I think a lot of folks don't realize to bring this back to cinematography. I yeah. think a lot of folks don't realize how hard the cinematographer works compared to the honestly compared to the director. And well, the, the director's doing a lot of work behind the scenes, but when you're on the shoot, yeah, you guys are front line of the fucking battle always man i mean right next to the director and it's it's you know okay what week do we have the cranes how many days do we have the crane okay what week do we have the car process okay what week do we do this do we do that oh yeah the helicopter's coming up oh, well they can't do it this day they got to do it this day oh shit i gotta rearrange that you know it's all that shit and, yeah, and yeah. what lights i need here okay could you you know the line producer's like do you need that piece of equipment that day you gotta send it back <laughs> i don't want to pay the rental you, just all this bullshit that nobody ever sees yeah but, you know, you and I know and, you know, the director or whatever, and, and you're still, you're, you're playing a, sorry, you're playing a chess game of where to, you know, manipulate the whole system to put all this, you need a fucking flow chart on how to do all this stuff, yeah, man. Dude, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, you just, I, I don't know. I can thrive off of fucking chaos, man. I don't what's know your why. Fa- what's your favorite part of shooting? What's your favorite part of being a cinematographer? I just, I don't know, man. I think it's that, like, when you get everything together for that one moment right uh-huh. right before you're looking at you know, you got a guy holding the bounce and then you've got a lighting cue that's going to happen and then the director's going to say something for the actor to react and i'm going to push in at this moment the actor's going to turn and do that it's just all of that fucking craziness that's going on that if you just i'm looking through the camera and i just see the frame but if i turn around i see the lights and everybody looking and all that i just love that the moment right when you say action right when it's i just yes. that's that's my favorite part oh the k like the the you're you're in the eye of the fucking storm yeah when you call action you are you are really? it just everything she shuts down shuts down and, and you, you you know it's the that's what i say my favorite time when i'm doing a movie is when i can call action because no one can talk no exactly <laughs> and it is like yeah. you, like you said you're like you're right over the eye of the storm it's like that's that is one of the calmest moments of a hurricane when you're right over you yeah, just it's dude. this there and it, it is it's like you know you've worked so hard for weeks or months to prep this damn thing all the blood sweat and all the arguments all the discussions finally it's done yeah we're we're moving for this moment right now we're doing it here we go yeah. and it's you're like okay we're off i love dude i love that stuff too and i i always make this comparison when uh when a set's great and i've been very lucky to have been on really great sets yeah and and i've learned to be present when they are and there's this this is the analogy that i make when a set's really good i show up to set as you know the general right and i walk in and i just sort of make my way through all the departments and i just sort of walk around grab a breakfast sandwich have something to drink 
And I just sort of walk into each one of these tents. It's like being at war. You yeah. walk into a tent, you're like, okay, hair and makeup. What's the gossip? What's going on you're tonight? You're addressing your soldiers, man. Right. You're seeing what's like, going down. And so then you're making your way through and you go through like the production design team and they've been up all night and they're dirty <laughs> and filthy and they, they're fucking exhausted. Yeah. And you're just like, you guys need coffee? What do you need? What's going on? What's that? Oh, I was fucking trying to do this shit and the cement didn't dry and this fucking asshole. And then you're like, okay, all right, it's cool, man. It's all right, cool, cool. Then you walk out of that and you just sort of make your way up. And the closer you get to where the set is, it's like the front line. Yeah. And I find that like, I, it's so cheesy, but I, this is the image that comes to mind. And I think it was from, is it Terminator 1 or Terminator 2? But mm-hmm. there was that moment where they're following uh, John Connor. That oh, was the first future, one, yeah. In the yeah. future. I know exactly what you're talking about. And he walks through from behind yep. and he steps up. And he's got his little binoculars, and he looks out at the war that's oh, happening. Oh, it was the second. It was the beginning of the second one. Yeah, and then I he's standing that. there next to that other guy. He's yeah. got the thing. That other guy's the cinematographer for me. And I feel like I just sort of walk up, and I look out with the binoculars at this craziness that we're about to get into battle with. And I'm like, how's shit going? And the cinematographer's like, tanks are in the right place. Fucking helicopter's ready to rock. The <laughs> shit's ready to go. And Let's do it. And then the AD comes over, and he's just like, got everybody else. And so, like... The three of you are just sort of standing there, and you're like, "Okay, are we ready to do this? Yeah, we're ready to do this. All right, let's go, let's go." Yeah, no, it's it's it is. It's a cool. F- I think I love that analogy. I think it's great. It's like it's it's funny. Uh, uh, John does that. Stephen does that. It, they they like to mosey on through and just yeah make sure everybody's okay. Walk on the set, get there, and just talk about what we're going to do. And you know, maybe from the day before, hey, check this out. I put this together. You know, mm-hmm. you watch something on the phone and. Or you look at the the last day's stills. I always I always have stills on my phone. I like to show the actors so they like get excited about yeah. what they're, they're like. Oh, whoa! Can I get that? I'm like, well, you can't put. It. You know, they always <laughs> want to post it on something, yeah, right? No, you can't post Frank, it. Frank Frank Grillo is the worst. Like if you show him anything, he's like, hey, hey, send that to me. I'm gonna put it. I was like, oh god. So I stopped doing that because they'd be like, don't show Frank the stills. I'll fucking put them all over and then ruin the thing. I'm like, all right, all right, won't do that. So so I don't I don't I then 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 he'll start texting me. Hey, you got any stills? I need to post something. I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah no it's fun it, it's it's fun and and it has been you know the last two films the last one i did with steven which is year two the werewolf i did this werewolf movie cool um that's gonna come out i think january i i, I know there's still on post right now there's a lot of post-production in it but the experience there was really gratifying and then you know just doing this one with john swab this land of grace again with frank um, it's just been so like, I've noticed there's just a refinement happening in my work mm-hmm. that I've not mm-hmm. really noticed before, but I've, I'm, I'm trying to just refine it a little bit. Where are you refining it? Like, where's your, it's in lighting and camera movement and just yeah, intentionally where to move the camera and what to do. I just feel like that that's, I'm just like queuing in on that now. Do you feel like, um, do you feel like you're constantly because you're you I would assume that a lot of the stuff that you were starting in had budgetary restraints. Yeah. And do you feel like you're constantly having to uh suffer that sense of refinement for time and schedule? I mean, there's always compromise. I mean, yeah. I hate that fucking word. Yeah, compromise. I can't stand that word, man. It's just it's movies are compromise. You always have to make a compromise. I mean, and and yeah, I mean where is it when you know ed and i did this movie gasoline alley you know we only had 14 days and uh it was a lot of places in 14 days but we managed to get through it and it was hard and we had to make 
tons of compromises on that. Whereas in, um, you know, year two, we had 28 or 29 days. I think it was in Puerto Rico. And we still made compromises, but we were able to move quickly. And we, you know, Stephen and I always, Stephen's pretty practical and pragmatic when it comes to like picking a location, because what I'll do is we'll try to pick a location and then two or three others right next to it. So if we yes. need to go spin off and go, Hey, there's that thing over there over in that alley, or there's that thing over there in the street, we could just go right there rather than having to do a full fucking company move and uh, let's move the circus and the whole thing. And then that takes three hours and then trying to get people back on that level you know, you always come back from lunch. You're, that's like the worst time because everybody's hate that dude. Because people are got to ramp back up again, you know. And if you can come back on lunch and just be, you know, go back to it, not take two hours to get up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's always been pretty practical about that. And same thing with John. John's really good about that too. Is you know just trying to like get that energy back up and going. And and so I've just been trying to like yeah, you know, even though I have to compromise on certain things, at least I'm I'm really taking the time to refine it and get it right. And I've just, I've been noticing, I've just been keying in on little things like lighting more and, and just spending that little bit more time, which I don't normally have because I've always taken the approach with lighting from the Harris Savitas's sort of school of thought, which is light to space, not the face. Oh, interesting. So you're just lighting the thing. And if the actors fall within shadows and whatnot, and now I'll bring in a key light here and there just for close-ups or whatnot, but it's, it's really, you know, my brain works like Rain Man when it comes to lighting. It's really weird. I, yeah. And I don't mean this in like, oh, I'm boasting. I know what I'm doing. I'm the best at this or whatever. I'm just meaning it in a really weird savant way, whereas I can look at a scene, look at a location. And within, you know, a couple minutes, I'll know exactly how to light it for all the turnarounds and everything. Yeah, my yeah. brain works in the overall picture. And then I'll fill in the blanks for when I turn around. But I can turn around really fast. Nice. And I don't so know you, how I do that. Are you trying to light? Are you lighting with larger fixtures so that way sometimes, you, yeah. yeah, so that way you have that way you're just coming in with like little touch-ups if you Correct. need to do that. Yeah, yeah, Correct. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. th and that's sort of like how my brain works. And so I've been able to to a lot of times I don't have time to tweak or, or really refine it. I'm just like, this this is good for what we're doing. Sure, but we got because we got to go because we got a lot more to do. Now I'm I'm getting there and now adding the refinement to it to just eh, let's you know, put a flag there, put this there, do yeah. things I would normally say, oh, I'll fix that in a DI. You know, I, I've I'll bring that down. I'll bring that wall down. Da, 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 da. And people are like, Oh, you'll never remember that. But I do. I have a photographic memory. I remember that shit <laughs> for stuff like that. Now, you know, your phone number had, yeah, I can't remember that anymore, but, or should I go pick up eggs from the store? All that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, it, 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 I've, I've noticed that now what's happening is I'm just, I'm slowly refining the lighting, slowly refining like, Hey, we can get this move a little better. Hey, subconsciously, what are we thinking here? What is this, what is this move making the audience feel like? What are we, what are we saying here? Yes. So now I'm having time rather than shoot, 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 shoot. You know, it's now it's like, why are we moving it? Why, you know, you're, you're questioning your, what you're doing. Yeah, dude. And I, that's good, man. I, the, because when I was shooting, especially in the music video world, Oh yeah, Dude, that's like kind of pointless to ask. Why are, you, why are we doing this? And the, yeah. what's what's the thing that was? It's a music video. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get more coverage. Get more coverage. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you get out of that mindset, which is the I'm desperate, and what I try to do as a director now, understanding how long it takes to do things, I I go into it and I go, all right, here are the shots that I've worked real hard on with prep, and we're online with. Yeah. These are the moments that I know in the edit are going to be big. 
So like this close up, spend the time. This thing, spend the time. This is a cutaway. This will be on screen for fucking five frames. Yeah. This will be six frames. Let's just let's uh, let's uh, impression this. Let, less refinement, but let's do pull out a palette knife and then just hit the colors. Make sure that the the uh, sources are coming from the right direction. Make sure that the at a, at six frames, what do we see? Yeah, like okay, that's what we spend the time on. And then, if we're very hyper focused on those elements, then I can give the time on set to be like, these are the important things. Do this. And when we designed the twelve km steady cam shot, I said to Crude, I go, he's like, how do you want to light this? Because it's a big space and all that. And I go, work lights. Bring in the work lights. That the practicals are in there. We can use those practicals. You can do any sort of movement with those things to motivate edge lights or whatever you want. So work lights for all of it. I want color differences. I want to separate this room from the office. So we'll put blues in there. Let's do some sort of fluorescence. Yeah. Do that whole deal, but have it all be practical. So that way, when you move through this space, all you need to do is kick in here with whatever little light you need to do exactly. some phase kick and yeah. then you're good to go it's the same it's the same approach i mean it's like uh you know david and i probably have a very similar yeah. aesthetic in that sense but i i that was one thing i loved was how natural it felt and yeah. how uh just it, it felt natural but it felt big yeah and yeah that's, that's the movement that space felt really you know i felt like i was in russia somewhere i felt like it was you know it was it was fucking cold and it was grimy and just these guys have been there for months trying to research this and do this thing and you felt that it's from, production design too dude. yeah yeah and, and and they did a fantastic job too yeah so it's, it's it's the same too it's like and also do you see yourself like i know with directors i work with there's always like if there's like a big emotional scene you know and you have other things throughout the day you know you're going to give your time for that actor for that scene you're like okay this part i'll do this then we'll run through this but this part i know i need to get frank or whoever the actor is to a certain place and i know he's going to want a little bit of time there do you always do you do you notice I'm getting better at that so like here's i briefly talked about it but when i was in covid i read um directing uh for actors the judith weston book mm -hmm. and i read this book and it blew my face off it was wow. like one of those things and i went i can't believe i've called myself a director prior to this and like <laughs> I actually called all my buddies from 12 Cam and I thanked them, all the actors that were in it. And I said, I, you made this better because I was not a good director. Like, the, like you actually understood the bullshit that was coming out of my mouth and were able to translate this into a great performance. Right. I feel like I did you a disrespect by not knowing what I know now. And <laughs> well, so, you got a damn good performance out of those guys. But, but you know, and so now I, I have this understanding because I came from music videos right. and, and commercials, right? And, and a lot of the directors in those things, they would stop and go, no, no, no. Say it like this. <laughs> yeah. Do it like this. Now, here, let me show you. Like that right. whole thing. And right. that's how a lot of that shit is. And then when you're uh, a cinematographer, you're like, all right, make sure he's on the mark here. Make sure that the when you're younger, that's the thing. Like, make sure, dude, we spent all fucking day setting up this dolly track. Make sure that guy walks where he's right. supposed to fucking right. walk. Like, get the unicorns, lay some Skittles, and get those unicorns <laughs> to move the way you want them to move, right? And so, right. Um, that was a big part of my early career. Right. And when I went through this process of learning uh, and respecting how hard it is for someone to trust you and to get in front of that lens 
and to be a guy who they rep, who represents them as a as a person doing something that's completely contradictory to who they are yeah around a room full of fucking strangers and more often than not tough guy strangers yeah a lot of fucking grips a lot of fucking dudes a lot of people out there judging and in a world where there's fucking cell phones everywhere and so they're also going to go out here and do this stuff the the level of respect that i was like jesus christ and then sort of going through the process of being like how do i get a performance out of you and in the beginning it was like how do i get you to do what i see right and then i went oh man that's fucked right so then it became like how do i collaborate with this individual to create something together okay now i'm talking the right way and then when i'm on set i'm like all right so if you're doing a scene or you're doing a sequence that isn't working and i see it in my head a certain way do i just tell you to do how do i communicate that to that person i go I'm not asking them right. Oh, I should ask this person questions while they're going through stuff. Like, oh, that's not really working out for you. Well, where do you think you came from before you came in here? Or how about we try that again? But when you walk in here, what if you just stood in line at the DMV for three hours and you didn't get that fucking driver's license? They sent you home and now you're coming in. in Yeah, that's awesome. What if that happens? And then, then you start realizing that... The performance isn't like a light. It's not like, hey, I want this hard edge. Yeah. Do me a favor, bring in that fucking spotlight, set that spotlight in the back, and then dial that in to like 35%. Great. Yeah. It's not a performance. Performance is this like living thing that it, you're nurturing. Yeah. And you're like, what you're if we do this? Pulling or molding that out of them, but you have to, it, it's, it's almost like a switch or a trigger. Or you need to ask the right questions or just somehow pull. I, yes. That, that's awesome that you've, and dude, I you, just started that, it. Like, you know, that just, that, that's kind of exciting though, fucking, right? Because yes. now you've got this whole other tool bag that you can dude. sort of. And, and like, and now it's even more important for me to work with a cinematographer because it's like, look, we'll do all our homework prior. We'll spend, this is what I say to Crudo, we'll spend weeks going back and forth. We'll argue, we'll do shit, of course. We'll do everything. When we get on set, do your work. Yeah. And I have, I've got, I got so this whole new world of craziness that I got to go off and, and, and have fun with. And I'll come and check with you. You ask me whatever you want, but I need to go hang out with these people and like make stuff. Yeah. And that's what actors are. So to answer your question, now knowing what I know, I know through conversations with the actors prior to it, if the actors are like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, I don't know what this is either, but we'll give a, I'll give us some time for that yeah to figure out what that fucking thing is i know how to do the walk down the hall scarily grab a door uh grab a gun coverage for the gun load the gun cock the gun all that stuff is like that's just fucking legwork yeah and let us and the cinematographer do that the right way but how do you convey to the audience the emotional turmoil that requires you to do that sequence i sure as shit don't know what that looks like yeah and you've got to like fucking find the triggers find the find the switches find those questions that get that person to the right, right. place and, and and for me it isn't it, it's not necessarily at least at this point right it's not necessarily me going like i know who this person is like when yeah. i write something down on page most of the time it's a generalization of somebody right you know it's like who's this guy i don't know his wife was killed okay you know how often do you see that doing the actual right movies? right this guy's wife was killed you go okay cool 
And then, so for this new piece, we were like, you know, who is this guy? Why is he doing this thing? And then the actor was like, this reminds me of a buddy of my dad who had a problem with the shakes. And I go, huh. And he goes, yeah, it was really fascinating how he moved his fucking hands and how he did that stuff. And he started doing it. And I went, that's fucking cool. And I go, well, what was the purpose? Of, why did he do that? And he was like, I think it was alcohol that was doing that. Kind of, and I was like, huh. And then like, you, we start falling down into this hole. And I go, yeah. okay, so this, this story is about a man trying to control every in his environment. And he can't physically do this one task because he's got no control over his, his hand. Wow, dude, we found something. Here. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like you you went down that hole with that person because y- you could very easily just be like, no, 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 just say the line and do yeah. this, and it could be flat. Yes. Whereas you're asking the question, you're wanting the input from the actor to give you something more. Yes. And just from that exploration of those small little tweaks, you've now got somebody that's maybe flawed or maybe a certain way that you wouldn't have from before, and I that's exciting. Dude, I love it when you find that, that stuff. That, that's exciting. I mean, I, look, I had a I had a situation once where um, we were shooting a film Marauders, and I had this scene where it was near the end of the movie where uh, Jonathan Sheck comes in and he has to face Adrian Grenier, and he finds out he was part of the you know part of this whole bank robbery thing, and he confronts him about it, and John had to go to this really dark place where you know he he's he's got a turn himself in and he's going to turn him in and all this. And he realizes it's near the end, but uh, he couldn't get there uh, just emotionally. He was just struggling and seems like, okay, yeah, we're going to move on. And I'm not taking credit for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I didn't direct them or anything. I, I, I being the closest person to the actor, because I also operate and being in a five foot proximity and yes. looking at it through the, through the lens, you know, through the, through the diopter, looking through the lens. And I just, I could see it in his eye. one and one more. So Steven's like, move on. I put the camera down. I walk around. I was like, dude, listen to me. I'm not trying to tell you how you do your job, but I'm going to tell you this. He wants one more because I, I think he's almost there. He's, mm. he's right there. Just, just, mm. he just needs something to get over that edge. So he's like, all right, fine. I don't uh, All right. All right. Fine. Fine. So we go back, we do it. I remember it's take number four. I remember this. And uh, I got two cameras on him. And he just went somewhere and got something out of him that I don't know what it was. But after we did that scene, he looked at me and he gave me a long look like, thank you. Yeah. And but see, I just could see that. But it, 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 it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's because you're right there, though. Yeah. That's the other thing, too, that's fascinating. And I'm trying to do this more is uh, if I'm not, if I'm just directing, I'm trying to be there. Yeah, like by camera? By camera. Even I've, if I have like a little monitor and like yeah. a little wireless, yeah. and I'm just there. Chris Nolan style. Yeah. You're right man. there, man. Yeah, because you the the actor can feel your comfort. The actor yeah. can feel your trust yeah. if you're that close to them. As opposed to being at the monitor. And then I feel disconnected at the monitor. Yeah, because if you're like, if you were direct, if somebody were directing us and you're in the, in other, the other room, room yeah. there's such a disconnect from yeah, that. Yeah, can you just do that again? I'll, what? Hey. What was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then meanwhile, you're like, oh, this coffee's too cold. Can I get another one of these things? Exactly. Yeah, can we just, you know, and you're just like, fuck off, dude. Yeah, that, that's just, I, I find that directors that stand right next to me or were behind me and are right there with them, I, just, I don't know. I think the actors respond to that. Yeah. I, I really do. And I think that's, 
I, I, hey man, I hope whatever the next thing you do, I hope that, you know, all of the, all of that stuff that you yeah, read about, I, I hope, hope that I works because that's, that's exciting. Though. Yeah. I hope like it was exciting when we did this, you'll see the difference. Like I'll show you the new piece. And, uh, when you watch it, it has all the fun stuff that we like about, uh, 12 cam, but yeah. it has all like the really cool stuff that's in who's there, but it has this, the thing that's lacking from both those pieces, which is this depth and this, uh, emotional depth yeah. to everything. And that emotional depth just came from all this work that it's 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 basically what Riza always tells me when I'm off shooting movies constantly he's like you're sharpening your swords yeah dude and that's what you're doing you're sharpening your skills and sharpening your swords and I think that's exciting that's an exciting place to be because you're now that you have this new knowledge that you've gained from both of these films and then now gonna put it to practice yeah, it's exciting it's, it's very exciting right? dude yeah and then there's this other thing. I don't know if your directors have shown you this stuff, but what you were supposed to be doing as a director, and I had always heard this and I didn't know what it was. Yeah. It's this thing called homework. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so you go, all right. So as an inexperienced director, they're like, you got to do your homework. And I go, all right, I've, I've storyboarded. Right? I know where right. the camera's going to go, and I know what I want the actor to do, and I know all these things, and I've, I've got all that in my head. Then I would show up, and they, the, the actors would look at me, and they would go, where do I need to stand? I go, you need to stand here. you got to do this. you got to move there. you got to do that. Okay, cool. I've done that homework. That's my homework. That's like fucking one-third of one, one fucking eighth of what my homework is supposed to be. Yeah. It's fascinating, and I won't go too deep into it, but there's a system now that I'm doing where you go through every fucking scene, you read the scene, you break it all down, and you go, okay, where did the character come from before? Um, what is the theme of this scene? What are we trying to accomplish uh, in the arc of this scene? What are uh, the questions that I have for the actor? If the actor gets lost here, what are my questions? And I'll write down potential questions. And then as I'm reading this scene, I'll go, what if he can't do this? What if he has trouble with that? So then I'll write down all these different questions and I'll have them as an arsenal so that way, if the actor comes up to me and they say, like, I'm just not feeling this. And I'd be like, well, what is it about this that you're not feeling? Well, it's weird for me to go from this table to this thing here. Why would I grab this thing? And I'd go, like, well, if there's no continuity involved, what, what else would you want to see? What, if you don't want to grab it that way, I know that we've lit it this way, but what would you? how would you want to grab it? Well, I'd want to grab it like this. And if I'm trying to save time, then I'll be like, yeah, but... What if when you go to grab it, this question or this question, and I just have all that stuff. That's smart. As an That's arsenal. really smart, man. And then, so then what you do, like on the movie that got fucking postponed. Yeah. Uh, I had 350 pages of director's notes. Wow. That's doing your homework. That's homework. And I, and, and I know exactly what you mean, because I've heard Frank say that many times. I just hope this guy has his homework done. Yeah. And uh, it. I didn't know what it mean. And then now working with him and working with others, I know what they mean, you know, and I, and it's not just what you said. It's not all the technical shit. It's like, we need to know who's driving the scene. Yeah. What are their intentions? What do they want? Yeah. What do they want out of this? What's the overall, what's the overall end part of this scene? Where, where are we, where's it taking us to? Where's that pushing him to the next thing? Yeah. You know, those are things that, you know, they're going to ask those questions. Any good actor is going to fucking come up and say, well, I don't, why am I getting this? Well, what are we what are we doing here what why are we saying this what are we, can i easily just go over there and do this yeah you can 
but what about this? Yeah. You know, or it's like okay, so this is something, and we'll get real nerdy. But I love this. But, uh, this is something about twelve camps. So I did a whole movie in a language I don't speak, which is great from the perspective of an audience that doesn't speak that language. And so I treated that film like a silent movie, and I was like, I want to have it be so that the if an audience that doesn't speak this language watches it and they don't read the subtitles, they still know what the fuck's going on. And what became interesting about that, and I'm fascinated with the volley of energy between people when they have a conversation. Like right now, I'm saying stuff to you. You're listening. Yeah. Right. But you just volleyed energy back to me. Right. And so as you have two characters that are in a scene, two characters walk into a scene, one character is going to walk out with the energy and one character is going to walk out and be left in that spent. So as you're figuring this out with the blocking, you're then like, as this scene progresses, like the office scene between the professor and Edward that happens, Where he pulls out the gun and that whole bit. You'll notice that one character standing, one character standing, one character sitting, one character comes down to give that character a false sense of security, yeah. then opens up a desk and he pulls this thing out of the desk. You think he's going to pull a gun out of that desk, but he pulls out paperwork out of that desk. Yeah. Then he stands up. And then that. So body positioning is all about yeah. perspective. It's almost a hierarchy of who's got the power. Exactly. Who's controlling the power. And yeah, then, no. the, then the camera operator does the same thing, yeah. where it's just like, is this a low angle? Is this up? Is this high? How are we saying with the angles based upon that emotion that's there? So to be able to say to you, like, we're going to play this game in this scene. This is what we're going to do. Have yeah. fun with it. Like, yeah. think about the lenses. Think about the height. Think about all that shit. And I'm going to work with it with the actress. So when the actress come in, they go, okay, so what's the motivation here? I'm just going to come in. I'm going to sit. We're going to deliver lines. We're going to look at each other. What is this fucking law and order? You know, yeah. over the shoulder, to look at each other. Yeah. No, 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 no. How about this? You run the scene for here. How, what if you are in control right now? What if you give him? And I go over and talk quietly to the actor. I go, what if you make him think he's got control? He doesn't know you're going to stand up. What if you stand up halfway through that sequence and you do that stuff? You go, oh, fuck yeah. So then there's surprises. Then there's shit that happens. No, that's great. I mean, it's, I, I look, I always use the example of like a character switching being closed off and then turning on. There's a scene in Heat where mm-hmm. it's very early on in the movie where Robert De Niro's character's in the bookstore. Yes. And then he's at the diner, right? And yes. then uh, the girl comes and sits down and they're on one side of the line. Uh, it's it's over his, yeah, they're over their back. It's like a like a French, you know, French over whatever type thing. They're at that cafe. They're at the cafe. Yeah, yeah. And the camera stays on that side. And she asks him, what are you reading? And he's like, why do you worry about what the hell I'm reading, lady? Who the fuck are you? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, I just want to know what you read or what you're reading. Sorry, just trying to make conversation. And then the moment he, because he preaches this about not letting people come into his life, not mm-hmm. always being closed off, ready to walk away. What happens the camera does, camera goes from one side, dolly over to the other. So not on the other side of the line, but what that did was emotionally and psychologically was it let her into Neil McCauley's life. Uh, and it was on and, one move. It wasn't. And what a does cut. he do? Yeah. He reaches his hand out to her and says, "Hi, I'm Fuck I'm yeah. so and so." Right? Fuck Just yeah. little things like that. But what did it do? It changed the the camera move. Then I don't know what Michael Mann told them to do, but whatever. It, that that just what you're saying about somebody standing and sitting, having the camera operator put put it in the right way. It's just exciting things of like that's just that's something the little nothing of a movie. Nobody would even think about that except some fucking geek like me. And you sure, know, sure. But, but but no, but what they would think <clears throat> about is when you watch that scene, they'd go, and they would give the credit to De Niro. Yeah. And they would say, man, his performance, when he switched, when he felt bad for her, 
and he judged it and he did that man yeah. he fucking did that but really it's that camera move that did that yeah it did because it brought you to the other side it, he opened his emotions up to her and then what the next scene is it's that two shot of overlooking the hollywood hills and they're having yeah. a drink and that so it, it immediately cut through the bullshit you're like all right you know there was a car ride to go to that place there was a whole conversation there we just fucking admitted that and boom we're in it yeah you know and i, I just those decisions those things that we're you and i are constantly thinking about but the audience is thinking about that no, they're no. just like oh where's this going what's going to happen next when that's you, the exciting shit yeah, that's the exciting shit so it's like i i think that you know from this point forward what you've been talking about with uh you know sharpening the swords i think that's exciting for you no dude i'm fucking and it's the same you know the same thing with like sharpening the swords on like just refining things so that's you're like yeah man it's it look this you ne- I'm. You never a master of this fucking shit no, ever. No. Ever. And, and, you're gonna die and, not a master. Yeah. Of this you, shit. You, you you think you're like Vittorio Storaro and you're wearing the fucking ascot <laughs> and the scarf and the beret and whatever. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not a master, right? You can always a student, right, yeah, of the yeah. craft. Always. I mean, he, Roger Deakins would probably sit here and say, "Oh yes, uh, he, he, there's there is a moment every cinematographer. I don't care who they are. You're not a Superman." that doubts what they can do. Yeah, the first time you turn on a couple lights, you go, man, this doesn't look good. Right, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's that fear. Yeah, yeah. Almost like your anger. Yeah. I use that fear as a weapon to then push me to keep going. It's yeah. it's, a, it's a fear of failure that keeps yeah. pushing, because failure is okay, but it also can help you, you know? And it's, I look, I'm always like just trying to push myself to do something different. It's yeah. rad, man. Yeah, 100%. It's rad, man. Like, uh, we should probably wrap this up. We've been going for uh, two hours at this point. I know. I could still keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can talk for a couple more minutes, man. What are we at? One? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, bring yeah, up yeah. A, Bring up a topic. What do you want? <laughs> so, um, well, dude, I, I, I just love this hole that we've gone in with uh, the creation of these things. Because yeah. most people don't talk about this stuff. Like, if you pick up American Cinematographer, they're not talking about, like, that move and how that emotionally changed him. Yeah. And I, I, I was talking to some of my friends that want to be cinematographers, and they were like, look, um, I think I'm going to go DIT. I think I'm going to go be on a set, and then yeah. I'll slowly work my way up. I go, that's fine and dandy, man. I think that's a great way to become a shooter. But from a director's perspective, I think it's more important if you're breaking down scripts, if you're watching movies, if you're learning techniques, yeah. if, you're, if you take a fucking painting course, for Christ's sakes, and you guys are doing like compositions and learning about that stuff because i need that from you almost more as a director than yeah. i need a guy who knows how to set the camera up correctly and, right and do it because we'll hire all those fucking guys that can do that shit uh, if you're going to lead the ship i need your management skills to be on point right and then i need you as a director i need you to be in the language game with me yeah where it's like okay let's talk about this language and like if i'm going to send you a script or you watch my movie and you go, I see McTiernan. I go, this motherfucker knows my language. That's good. And I think if you're a younger cinematographer, and you can disagree with me on this, but mm-hmm. if you're a younger cinematographer listening to this and you're sort of waiting around for your fucking moment and you're like, ah, I, like I, I bought this new fucking camera and I'm trying to get hired with this new camera and shit. It's like, what are you doing in the intro? That you're just sort of sitting around waiting for that rental to come in or you're sitting around waiting for that gig to come in sure watch movies but don't just watch movies no, you like, should be out shooting with that camera you should yeah. be trying every fucking thing underexposing overexposing fucking up messing up just 
to see what happens. Yes. And yes. that's why you have it. Yes. And I, I also feel like I talked about it briefly with you about um, uh, that scene from uh, Temple of Doom. Yeah. I sat down to watch that scene from Temple of Doom because I was like storyboarding out sequence. And I said, all right, I got to figure this out. So I put it on. I pushed play, watched it. And I'm like, I'm going to watch the shots. So I pushed play, watched it. And then I got through the whole scene. I went, oh, fuck, I got lost in the movie. Yeah. Well, shit, I'm going to shut off the audio. I'm going to shut off the audio. All right, I'm going to watch it again. So I start watching it. And I see like one shot, two shot, this shot, that. Oh, fuck, I got lost in the movie. Yeah. So I had to stop it and roll back. So like, it took me like, I'd say 12 watches of it because it's so well done yeah. for me to go like, all right, here's what I'm feeling. And here's why I'm feeling this stuff. And even if you're making notes and you go, ah, next time I read something that like, I, I want to recreate the feeling of someone's heart dropping or like the world falling out from underneath them. How about that stretch pull from Jaws? Okay. Yeah. How about this thing from this thing? How about that from this? And so if you're studying that stuff and you're putting together this sort of like uh cliff notes book of emotional fucking camera work yeah and then you go try it out you go shoot sequences and you go i feel that i did feel that and you hang out with an editor or you cut it yourself you start to learn how shit gets put together you're so much more valuable to me yeah i agree i mean it's you know how are you gonna know if you don't try it right you can sit there and say oh i just bought this brand new alexa 35 Okay, like, what are you like doing? Everybody with it? else, yeah. what, what are you doing with it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, just I got a consignment. It's just well, you should be shooting with it. Just go home and go shoot something in the you know in the kitchen. Go shoot something in the living room. Just fuck around with it, man. Yeah. Just try things. You know, I mean, you know, I hate to, I don't want to go off tangent, but uh, Larry Shear, Lawrence Shear is a mentor of mine. He was telling me on Joker, they would just try shit. And because Joaquin is just so open to, to trying things, and, and Joaquin and um, Larry had a really close relationship on that movie. Mm. Um, I think Todd obviously knows that now, but <laughs> when it was happening, I mean, they were texting each other. Larry showed me all these texts from him. Joaquin's like, "What? Well, you know what? I didn't take four. That was really fucking cool. I'm going to do that again. You know what he did here? It, and they would push each other. And uh, I, I remember one day he was saying like how he. Like this is a scene where he's in the kitchen. He walks into the kitchen. He rips out the shit. And he gets in the refrigerator. That wasn't planned. He just fucking went in the refrigerator. And Todd's like, "Did he just go in the refrigerator?" And like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's in the movie." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but you know those things are you. You have to be ready for that stuff. But I just also think like if you're not sharpening your swords, I hate to say it again, but there it is, yeah, the, yeah. the Rizzaism. If you're not sharpening your swords on your craft, uh, yes, reading books watching movies, all of that, but actually going out shooting with a still camera. Yes. Going out and fucking around with lights, whatever. Just constantly feeding your brain images, constantly trying things. If you don't try things, if you're not, like, I've always thought that, like, I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends that are cinematographers, they all say, oh, man, you, Brandon, you got, like, balls of steel, dude. You know, you're not afraid of the dark. You know, I, I, I could never do that. I was like, well, how are you going to know? Mm-hmm. Just, I'm just not afraid of that shit. I just do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the artist in me. And maybe that's that, I don't know, that free form thinking thing. I, I don't know. But I, I, I think that you have to be able to have, take chances and maybe not be afraid to fail. Well, I mean, that's part of it, right? Like, right. It, like if, if we're going to sit down and sketch something, right? It's yeah. just you and a piece of paper. And it's not like, 
I guess that if you're going to do some sort of figure drawing, there's some sort of forms formula that you can do as yeah. far as like perspective is concerned and all that stuff. But generally, there isn't like a set of rules with you. It's just you and the piece of paper, and you're like, yeah. "What if I move like this? What if I do this? What if I do that? What if I do that?" If you're painting, then you're like fucking around with it. Our business is weird because uh, for it to be cost effective, there is a system and a formula that is in place. Like, here's how we do shit: block, light, shoot. Right. Here's the specific formula for how you put things together. Okay, great. And then we're gonna have this much time and that much time. And you have the UPM and the AD up your fucking ass. And you go, okay, great, great, but. When it's just you doing it, especially when you're just fucking around with your friends, yeah, um, you don't have all that. No, and and then in that weird world, what you end up doing is testing new ideas that you can then later incorporate into the system that exists. But if you're playing with it early on, you're like, "Huh, this is cool." Next time I fuck around with this, I'm. I'm I love this backlight. I love this way this backlight looks. Yeah. I'm going to use this backlight for, for I'm going to jump the line like this when I want to do yeah. something. I'm going to do the, the, that becomes this fucking toolbox that when you're stuck, because we all end up stuck, right? An actor like suddenly starts throwing up and they're offset and you have the fucking, the, the double come in. Yeah. And you're like, how do I do this with the fucking double? I don't know. How about I do that fucking backlight? Oh shit. We'll still like this is. person. There it is. Boom, boom, boom. And I, I got it in my toolbox now. Yeah, so. no, I just used the toolbox thing. If I remember what Jonathan Demi and uh, Spike Lee do, where they do this thing where they'll put two cameras this way and the actor will act to that camera and the actor will act to that camera. It's odd, but they're actually acting right above the lens or right at lens. So what we're describing here, because it's an audio podcast, yeah. you're saying that in the center, so there's two actors looking at each other and yeah. in the center of them, there's a there's two cameras pointed at each actor doing correct. a close up. Correct. And I just did that with a scene with uh, uh George Carroll Slane and uh Bo Knapp. They were sitting in a diner and uh one comes to sit down and they found it they were like, Wow, this is weird, B Cox. I don't know what I was like, nah, and I said I explained to them, hey, have you ever seen Silence of the Lambs? You ever watch any Spike Lee movies, especially like I started mentioning examples and they were like, Oh, yeah. That's how they did. It. I'm like, yeah, that's how they did that. So here we go. We're gonna do this. But <laughs> that's a little thing I like saw on a BTS thing, and I heard Jonathan Demi talk about it, or you know, one of my professors talked about. It. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna use that bag of tricks. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Just it's it's just little Same shit thing. like that. Same man. thing, man. And for people that are like, whoa, are you stealing stuff? No, that's like learning someone else's brush stroke and yeah. being like, this is a, a period that I should use that same yeah. brush stroke in this. Yeah, man. I fucking. That's what's so cool about our business is that it feels it is still pretty magical. Yeah. And you do feel like it's a you know, a group of magicians that are all hanging out and they're like, if you're gonna pull the rabbit out of your fucking jacket, make sure you have a, like a double stitch on that yeah. fucking pocket before you put that live rabbit in your jacket. Exactly. You're like, okay, great. You know, I, I, I love that shit, man. It's like and I like I like that you have to earn it too. I yeah. like that it isn't just given to you. And I think that there's a, a, a big period of time right now where people are turning to YouTube to learn this stuff, Yeah, which YouTube is great sure. for learning like technical bullshit. Like yeah. how do I start a camera? How do I, how do I set up a sequence and resolve? How do I go through the process of color grading? Like I, I, when I'm working on anything, I'm always opening up YouTube going like, how, how the fuck does this thing work? And I go look and I go, okay, great. And I go yeah. back to work for it. Yeah, That's what it's good for. Um, but if you're turning to YouTube to learn how to tell movies or how to make movies, and yeah. that's your only education that's for That's a little it, weird. It's very weird. Yeah, I've, I've seen these guys that are like, hey, learn how to light like a cinema professional photographer. On, I'm like, 
that's not going to work. You yeah. got to be there, man. You got to be there. You got to touch the lights. You got to understand what the light does, yeah. what it can do, what it can't do. You, gotta, you know, I mean, yeah, it's one thing to learn from, off of YouTube. And I know, I know a lot of people that have, you know, studied photography off of YouTube and that's great, but you still have to go out and fucking shoot the camera. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. So the, I, I don't know if that's like a marketing gimmick or some kind of bullshit that they're well, trying to most sell of the to people. Time, you it's know, just kids looking for clicks and trying to make money. And, yeah. and a lot of the dudes that are teaching that stuff are just rehashing someone other someone else's yeah. video. So it becomes sort of this ancestral like uh, telephone tag game where like by the time the one that you watch, they miss the whole point. They're just like, you take the light out, you turn it on, you turn it. In. Yeah, like, exactly. But you missed the fucking point like six videos ago yeah, exactly exactly why, why you do this fucking thing yeah it's 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 interesting so yeah whatever. i think it's fun man i yeah. mean i think at the end of the day um with lighting i love lighting and i'll oh, still yeah. so gina you'll meet her so she's uh started as a fashion photographer mm -hmm. and a photographer and then she's uh gone on to directing so she's done music videos oh, nice. now and like commercials and shit and so I will get hired as a boyfriend often to come in and either shoot stuff. So I just shot like uh, 12 music videos for her and she'll hire me to come in to light for her photos. Oh, that's nice. Which I love. That's it's fun. Super fun. Yeah. And you get to come in and you get to like play with toys. And I think with uh, photography specifically, spe especially like beautification yeah. photography and then dealing with uh, uh, photo manipulators like, um, like uh soft boxes and, yeah. and photography and if, if you're using um uh speed lights they're so much fucking harsher than any of that other stuff and so the the beauty in that is so wild especially if you're using like a giant soft box yeah i find that i'm like turning that soft box turning it turning it turning it turning it turning it it's almost completely off right and it's whatever spills coming off the the ass crack of like the the outer rim of right. that that That's makes that beautiful and when you watch tutorials, they're just like, you set it up, you put it in the fucking softbox. It's right there. Boop, boop. Oh, but it's in there. They, it's like, a, you know, that you can do that. It's textbook, but it's. Like, yeah, but it's in the, it's in the minutia. Yeah. It's in the millimeters when you're, when you're dealing with the angle of light and, and how each person's face is a whole new roadmap yeah. of emotion. No shadows, nose heights, like like brow and how deep the eyes are set like that changes in the millimeter height of where your fucking key is yeah 100 percent. yeah because if it's here it's not there there's a difference between what's there and there you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so how how where how far away you put it from the subject how high it is what and what angle all that shit it all comes into play do you find that you have enough time on your stuff to do tests do you do a lot of lighting tests ahead of time or do you I, just end up jumping in i end up jumping in but i've I did a, well for the werewolf movie. I did I did some tests like makeup tests on the on the actual physical because we have a lot of physical like practical werewolves in the thing. Yeah, and the guys that did it were uh, I think it was oh god was the I can't remember the name of the place, but it was the guys that did Prey, the Predator for Prey. Oh I've, yeah, I, yeah, I, for yeah, ADI, yeah. I think it was called. Yeah, um, cool. those guys were awesome, and they you know we were. This is too much fur. This is not enough fur. This is fur dark enough. This is not for, should it be wet? You know, so I tried to spray it. You know, and then I was like trying, uh, you know, there was a weird like, what is that thing called? The Uncanny Valley, I guess. Uh, there was this weird sort of area like if the werewolf was far away, it seemed real. If it was like a medium shot, it seemed 
really fake. Oh, wild. Yeah. And then if it got to a certain area, then it was like, oh my God, that's incredibly realistic. So we were trying to always find that what's working, what's not working. creature effects specifically. Man, yeah. And I, I figured if I keyed from one side or backlit them, they looked great. If you frontlit them, they looked fucking fake as hell. Yeah. So it was always had to be like an edge or, you know, some backlight or, or something like that. And it was weird. It was, you know, we only had like, I think we had like four or five guys in suits. So we were taking the aliens approach. <laughs> so it was kind of like you just recycle the same fucking five werewolves or six werewolves and you just keep trying different things with them. But, you know, we had a lot of firelight and that, a lot of flickery light. So it, it, I was using lighting there to help, but that test really did help me doing yeah. this testing on that because we, we found out a lot of information of like the, and the eyes that they used in the mask, like they had this reflective quality to it. So it reflect black yellow. So I liked that. And I, anytime I could get hit and hit a light into their eyes, so they could just have that weird fucking glow. Yeah. I was like, Oh, it was almost kind of like the replicant thing in Blade Runner. You know, I was yeah. all like, Ooh, <laughs> you know, I was trying to get that going. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, th- for that one, I did test other ones. I, I don't, unless it's specific and there's an actress or an actor that's like, no, we really need to test this or then I'll do it. But most of the time I, I just, I so busy with just trying to get, gear and all that oh, stuff so i don't tough. get a chip but when i get a chance to i really try to take advantage of it yeah because it's great man i found because we did tests um for the past couple music videos which i fucking were invaluable yeah because then you're just sort of in that situation where it's like we had this video we did which was uh the artist so we had to shoot 10 music videos in two days wow yeah that's a lot and so there's this world now where music videos aren't the same as they used to be. Music videos are essentially TikTok based and everything else. Oh, wow. Okay. And so our new philosophy and, and Gina's new philosophy is like, why am I spending time doing B storylines and music videos and shooting all sorts of other bullshit? Like, why do I have to go shoot extras on rollerblades when all the people want is to see the artist and see the act? And anytime you look at any great music video, it's usually one scene in that video that you're like slash kicking the doors open in the fucking church and guitar soloing out while the helicopter flies around. <laughs> like there's that one thing. So why don't we just do an entire music video that is hyper-focused on that one shot? Yeah. And then we'll design 10 of them. And that way over two days, you're just doing setups. And it, in the same amount of time that you'd be doing a setup change for another scene in a music video, there's a whole other music video, a whole other outfit, a whole other thing. Yeah. That was our, our new philosophy on it. It was really great. And we had this this shot, which uh, ended up being a one shot, but I, I shot coverage, but it was just the artist, and she's sitting in this chair. It's like this really cool old house. She's sitting in this chair, and she starts performing on her own, and she's really great, so she can carry a one shot. Yeah. And she's performing, and she's got a shadow on a wall. And as she's performing, the shadow starts to move, and then the shadow comes alive. Oh, wow. And the shadow starts to perform, and then the shadow goes back, and the shadow starts to perform, and then she's acting with it. It's kind of like this old throwback Vincent Pricey kind of vibe. And uh, we didn't have time for visual effects, didn't have time for anything. And so I was like, can we do the shadow practically? Can we do it all in one fun little sequence? So we had to test that. So we were testing... Uh, different Lico lights. We were testing like all that kind of stuff. Like how far does the actor need to be from the right. light for the wall? I needed that time because it was a fucking hard calculated thing. To of be. course. How do I get that shadow crisp? Like how is the actor not in the shot? And like, 
um, it was fun to do, but I wouldn't have been able to pull that off if I didn't have a, yeah. a day of testing. On that. You know, and I've been in the latter side where I thought the idea was going to work with and the light, and it just fucking doesn't work. And I was like, shit, I should have fucking tested this. Yeah, man. Because I didn't think in this, oh, that would be easy. You know, I thought, oh, we, that that's not something. And then I realized, no, this is a lot more complicated than what I uh, thought it was going to be. So, yeah, no, yeah. that... Dude, I've been in those situations, too. I, I did a... Uh, a big photo shoot and it was simple and, and uh, she was like i want this thing to be like on a moon and we're gonna have like this giant backdrop can you light this backdrop and it had been a while since i had lit but i was like it's easy all i have to do is get a couple soft block units i'll arm them over the backdrop yeah. i'll do this whole bit so i started to bring all those elements in and she's like we want haze we want smoke and we yeah. did all this and so we're there and i don't know if you felt this i'm sure you have like you you have a theory right mm. so you set everything up you turn everything on, you look at it, you go, it's not fucking working. Yeah. And so then no one notices that it's not working yet. No. You're like, All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. And so then you, you have your guys and your lighting team. This is when you're real close with your dudes and your lighting team. You go, do me a favor. And you try not to sweat. And you're like, do me yeah. a favor, shut off all the lights. So they go, shut off the lights, turn it on one at a time. Okay, boom, 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 boom. Lights come on one at a time. It's still not fucking working. Okay. And so then I'm struggling with them. I'm like, all right, so maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's the wrong units up there. Take the units down, put different units up. So then. That goes up. Now the AD's coming over. What's going on? I see that you're moving lights. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. I just, I want to change a couple things. Yeah. They go and they cha- they swap all that other stuff and go to the mind. It's still not fucking working. It's still not fucking working. I got to a point with this setup where I was like 45 minutes late. Wow. It was all because I hadn't tested it. It was all in theory. And it was 45 minutes late. And now the director's coming over. So Gina was directing it. Now she's coming over. And she goes, should I be nervous? like and i'm sweating and i'm trying also to be you know she's my girlfriend so i'm trying to impress her sure but then there's also this level of like i got this i got this i got this i got this so like we're gonna do this we're running around so i have the guys like pulling the lights down moving the lights i'm like we're gonna put them on stage we're gonna change everything we're gonna change the way it looks yeah we're gonna change it so we start changing it change all this stuff what it turned out was that the haze was fucking it and the angle of the light in the haze was fucking it yeah and it, it it wasn't until the hay started to thin out in the room. Then you saw it. And then it was there. Yeah. And you're like, fuck you. And no, I've been there. Like, I've, yeah. I've done that where I thought that like I needed haze in this certain area. And it, in, in your mind, you're thinking, oh, yeah, that's going to look fucking great. And the light will catch this and that. And you're like, what the hell's wrong with this? And then when you let the haze dissipate, you're just like, well, shit i didn't need that fuck yeah, damn it why did yeah, i yeah you know yeah. and it's just one of those things where you just you kind of feel defeated but you're like well maybe it's that simple yeah man and it's all it's weird because it's all about angle of light right 100 percent. especially with smoke and haze if that angle of light's not right uh, it's not gonna work it looks like you know? shit especially oh, if you're doing like large fu- fucking sources and it's like overhead and you're like why does this look so goddamn fucking flat you know and yeah. it's like it's that goddamn haze that it's that haze it's just, it brought the ambience up too much yeah, yeah dude. i know exactly where you're going with that that's stressful been there <laughs> <laughs> those, those are the days that you earn it that's oh, a, every 100%. fucking trick comes out of the book the bag to try to make something work 100 percent. i know that yeah you're just pulling fucking everything well let me try that put it there you know yeah yeah, and that's when your crew, you have to be real good friends with your crew because when you start really sweating it, you're just like, guys, do this. And the, the, like you, the poor fucking uh, grip is like, put that unit up like seven times. He's like, 
Over Dude, that way. Over fi- this way. Have Do you that. figured it out yet? <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. It's so true. God, that's, oh, man. That just like, brings back all of Anxiety. That's anxiety, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are good times, though, man. Those, that's the stuff you remember. As when you drink later and you buy beers for all those poor dudes. And they like, love you for around. it. Yeah. And they love you for it. So, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's crew management, right? Oh. 100% always. You always working with the same guys? You letting I teams? try to, yeah. Obviously now when you work out of the country, you have to sort of, uh, yeah, money-wise. you know, yeah, money-wise, you can't bring everybody. Um, I was lucky enough, like I said, to bring that one gaffer that had worked in Colombia from before. But um, if I, it depends on where I am. You know, if I'm in Georgia, I can bring in the guys that I've worked before. If I go to Ohio or whatever, out of the country, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. it's different. So, yeah, I try to. I try to work with the same people, same ACs, same camera operator, that type of thing. Where are you regularly shooting? Where do you regularly find yourself? Um, lately, it's been, I mean, Georgia a lot. Um, Atlanta? Yeah, Atlanta. Yeah. South Georgia. Like, there's this place, Tifton, and it's closer to Florida. They're trying to get a film community thing going on down there. Um, and then, yeah, South America, Puerto Rico were the two that have been sort of the latest thing that's but, crazy yeah yeah if you go down to south america you guys dealing with security and stuff like that is it yes yes yeah i mean there were certain places in colombia that we had to have security like because yeah. you know we had it's like i guess it was the police or the military yeah. and they all had machine guns just because of where we were in a certain area just they said you know at night just is it's not safe for you here and nobody yeah. bothered us it was yeah. fine I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was telling me about uh, working on a jo- on a show. <laughs> I don't know if it was in Colombia. It was somewhere, and he was he was working on the show. And before he went, he was in the AD department. And before he went, they gave him a booklet on kidnapping, <laughs> what to do. Yeah, what to do. Yeah. And he was saying that his producers that he was working with had been kidnapped multiple times. Oh, wonderful! And so he was like, "Jeez, I wouldn't even." Do- <laughs> It's 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 so bizarre. I mean, yeah, it was the thought crossed my mind. It's like, okay, if I walk over here, go to the bathroom, and between there, here and there, if I get picked up, what, what nobody probably would even notice, would they? Yeah, unless you know, I came to set and they're like, "Where's Brandon? Where's Brandon?" You know. So yeah, I mean, I'm always in the back of my mind. I always have some weird thing, but that's fucking bizarre. It's weird, man. And he was saying that it. They're not there to hurt you. They don't want to hurt you. They don't want to do any of this stuff. It's just a business transaction, yeah, and they know that pay. money's money's coming in because yeah, you're a movie. Pay. You're on set. That's, that's why all it people is. need security. That's yeah. all it is, man. Yeah, but those dudes were, uh, they were great. I always made sure to say hi to them and, mm-hmm. you know, as much as I could. But, yeah, they protected us. That was great. I was glad they were there. Mm-hmm. Gina know. just did something in Jamaica, and they had a security team in Jamaica. And the joke was that all of the guys that were on her security team changed their names to names that uh, they thought that Americans would appreciate more. And so her security guard was Al Pacino. <laughs> Uh, but you know, man, no, yeah, it's just, right, that was really bad. Um, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's man. fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. So, I didn't get that. I didn't get blessed with that, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, I take that. <laughs> well, isn't it crazy, man? Like I, the the sense of I think I envy uh, your career as a cinematographer, uh, just because you get to do more. Like the quantity of stuff that you can do in a year is a lot. Like if I get pulled on to do a feature, I'm on that for like two years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I I know what you mean. Well, last year was pretty insane i i shot four movies last year holy shit well, three and a half because i went back and shot the one in colombia because it started in puerto rico they got half the financing and then 
it shut down. Ugh. But then we just came back to it. But yeah, I mean, just to do three movies, you're two, you know, it was crazy. It must I have been exhausting. Sh- I was exhausting. I was gone. Like, so it started started on my birthday, actually, 2022, March 22. I got a phone call. Um, my friend, I was out and I was just ignoring my phone. And then I got in, it was like two, three in the morning. And I knew he was in Georgia mm-hmm. prepping this movie. And he calls me, he's like, what are you doing? I said, well, it's my birthday. I was just out. Sorry, what, what, are, you, what are you doing up at like four in the morning? <laughs> and he said, well, here's the deal. Uh, the director and the DP just walked away. I said, okay, uh, where are you going with this? And he's like, uh, well, can I send you the script? I said, yeah, well, who's the director? He's like, oh, it's this guy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. I said, yeah, send him, send me the script. When do you guys shoot? This is a Thursday, mind you. He's like, oh, we shoot on Monday. I said, what? That's a feature. <laughs> I go, I go, you're telling me I get fucking three days to prep this thing. I said, you guys have lights? Do you have a, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, you have Gaffrey, you have crew. He's like, yeah, okay. All right, send it to me. I read it. I call him back. I said, look, I don't know how I'm going to do this, uh-huh. but I have an idea. You know, all the locations, yeah. All right, let's go. So I went there, met the director, and as soon as I got off the plane, I like left on a Friday. Yeah. Got there Saturday morning. Excuse me. I got right. I said, I don't want to talk bullshit. I just want to go see every location with the crew right now. That's what we did. And I got there and I guess the director that had been there prior and the DP, they were going to light these guys into oblivion mm-hmm. using units I would never use and lighting in a certain way. And I said, listen, whatever the other guy did, no disrespect, fuck them. Mm-hmm. I'm the DP now. This is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And that they to, all laughed to, who, to the crew. I said it to the crew. Yeah. And they all laughed and they knew immediately at that moment what I was about. Smart. I was just no bullshit. Smart. And I just wanted to bond with them and let them know we're okay. Smart. And from that moment on, we had a great time. So there was that movie. That was a horror movie that's coming out called Oak. Mm-hmm. About a possessed oak tree. It's, it's got an 80s throwback to it. It's pretty cool. That's cool. And then I did the year two with Steven, which I knew that I knew that was the only thing that was on deck was the werewolf movie. And then... Um, then my my father passed away right when I finished that, so I deal with that. And then yeah, while sorry that, about that, oh, I, I appreciate that. But um, while that was going on, I got a call about a movie in Atlanta, really small, one point eight something like that movie, and uh, it was about these kids that are selling water bottles on the street corners and uh, how they're trying to make ends meet. And it's a true story that these kids are doing the stuff they call them the Water Boys. Mm. And this director, I knew he had a script, and he called me and said he wanted me to do it and i did rather than sitting at home sitting in my misery you know thinking about my dad i was like fuck it i just need to do this for, for me for me yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, and my dad would have been like go to work you know that's the way he was so that was a healthy distraction and he did that and that was really fulfilling and then i went home and then uh i got a call from frank because we had just worked on the werewolf movie together and he said listen bubba <laughs> he's like uh you know i was talking to you about this director john swab we've done a few movies he's like yeah yeah no he's great and uh he's like um i'm gonna send you a script uh it's called land of grace you know let me know what you think about it. maybe it's not your thing but you know I-, I would love for you to do this so i read it i called him back he's like, yeah i want to do it i got john on the phone you know a couple weeks later we met we went down to puerto rico started you know that was with that hurricane was happening down there Jeez. fortunately it missed us Jeez. and we prepped and prepped and then we got eight days in and they're like yeah we ran out of money and Ugh. i had to go home and so i thought that movie would never come back 
And I've posted stills about it on my Instagram and whatnot. And then, you know, lo and behold, John calls me in March, April. He's like, hey, buddy, we're going to Columbia. <laughs> and we went and finished the movie. So there you go. Here we are. <laughs> that's crazy, dude. Yeah, that's a lot of work. You know, normally I'm just like one movie or something. But yeah, it's like what to, to what you're saying. You develop something. You're developing it for at least a year and a half to two years. And then to try in all that time to get that thing off the ground. It's a, fucking it's a fucking nightmare, man. It's a fucking nightmare, dude. It's a nightmare. And I've been posting, reposting all Guillermo del Toro's quotes on like what it's like to try I to get a fucking movie made. I've, saw, I've seen that and dude. I've been reposting those as well. Dude, it's just a nightmare. And and it, when, when I first started doing this stuff, I'm like, what a fucking failure, right? Like how hard is it to get movies made? And then you remind yourself, like it took George Miller 10 plus years to get Fury Road off the ground. It took most directors it's seven years before yeah. a movie even gets off the fucking yeah. ground and so what you're trying to do and this is something i didn't learn until recently is that you're like oh, okay instead of putting all my eggs in like one or two baskets i need to start planting more baskets yeah <laughs> just know? just having more stuff out there and one of them's gonna one, one of, of them's gonna while go while you're waiting for one of them the other one that you didn't even think still existed then starts to roll yeah it's 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 a weird time i mean look i have a project like that with riza i brought to him and a friend of mine wrote the script and it's been three years. So, yeah. but things have gotten away with the pandemic being one and then him having to do finish his Wu-Tang obligations and all that stuff, but it's going to happen. So it's just, it's just a matter of time. That's all. Yeah. You just got to wait. You just got to wait. But other than that, I mean, that's, that's a, that's what keeps me going. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should, we should wrap this up. This has been great. Awesome. I've had a great time. Thanks brother. Yeah, man. It's been great. And uh, I appreciate you sharing all the stuff and I'm excited Thank you for bringing me some uh, Blu-rays. Yes, brought him uh, Cutthroat City and Line of Duty. I'm so excited about that, man. And then uh, we got to keep in touch, dude. 100%. All right, All right Let's do it again. I'd love to come back. Okay. All right, thanks. It is the show finished. We went long today. We went long today. I don't think I'm going to break this up into two episodes. I think this will just be a single episode because the conversation just felt good. You know, Brandon and I really connected, if you couldn't tell. And uh, I love meeting with someone that's down to earth like him that really respects the craft and that respects being honest about the craft. I mean, both of us talked offline and we were sharing stories. I was talking his ear off. Um, he's a great dude. He's uh, very fortunate. He's making great movies, working with really cool people. Uh, you may not have seen those films yet. And maybe when you look at some of the films that you end up having to do earlier on in your career, maybe be considered B movies, may not show up on you know the top 10 films of that year list. And maybe when you watch a movie, it's not perfect, but there's always something fucking great in the performance. There's always something great in the way it's looking or shots, there's always something to be learned and earned from watching a film like that. And, he, and Brandon's got so many movies in his collection that do that. Um, and as you can see, man, if he's got relationships, personal relationships with the actors in his film as a cinematographer, they trust him. And that's important. And that's something that we probably should have talked about more on the show is building that trust with your actors. And then what that ends up doing is forming a relationship with you and you'll get calls from those actors to 
shoot new movies that they're doing as a cinematographer. Can you imagine? So pretty rad stuff. Hope you guys enjoy the show. What do you think? How was it today? In studio. Sounds better, right? Got to do more people in the space. It's a lot more fun to do it this way. The shows go longer because we're really connecting. He's like, man, let's keep going. Okay. All right, man, let's go in. Um, I hope you guys like it. I do. I've been enjoying doing the show this year. Our numbers are solid. I'm excited about that. Lots of new stuff on the way. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, I will see you next Tuesday. (laughs) 